2: This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling.
0: ProRisuShop.com, your only source for authentic ProResu merch straight from Japan. Translation extraordinaire Yatsumi has helped more than 300 fans all across the world purchase authentic merchandise, and now he's bringing that savings to you with over 300 items to choose from. ProRusuShop.com has the largest selection of New Japan and ProRisu merchandise you can't get anywhere else. Shirts, belts, trading cards, DVDs, and more from the biggest stars of Japan, like Tanahashi, Okada, Nakamura, and of course, the Bullet Club. Get them all for the same price you would pay in Japan, with worldwide shipping starting at only $6.99. For the very best in ProResu merchandise across the world, The choice is clear, ProResuShop.com, that's P-U-R-O-R-E-S-U-Shop.com, ProResuShop.com.
1: Against the Voice Wrestling Podcast. I'm Rich Grish alongside, as always, Mr. Joe Lanz. And Joe, how are you? Uh, pretty good show Sunday, huh? Uh, it was okay. It was not bad. I watched it. Uh, <laughs> I, what were your viewing habits for? Because mine were ridiculous. I Obviously, we, we watched it live. And we're talking about Wrestle Kingdom. New fans, Wrestle Kingdom. Obviously, that'll be the focus of the show. I watched it live. I, I went to bed. I, it, it, was, it was such a good show that I, I was, like, up. And I was, like, pumped up. So I, I couldn't fall asleep for, like, two hours almost. So I think I went to bed at, like, 8 a.m. or something like that. My dog at 10 a.m. was like, All right, enough of this. I've let you sleep. Because usually he wakes me up at seven, because that's when we get up at seven. He let me go till 10 and then said, No, 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 no. Okay. (laughs) Like, day is starting. You're up. So I'm up at 10. So I get about two hours of sleep, nap a little bit during the day. And then I go to the Squared Circle, the bar here in Chicago, you know, obviously ran by Victoria, um, you know, Lisa Marie, whatever you want to say or whatever. And she was going to show it, the the Global Force one. And I was going to go to that. So I went to that at like seven. So, yeah, basically on two hours of sleep, I watched eight hours of pro wrestling on two hours of sleep. But, and the same show twice in twelve hours, but whatever. That's the type of show that it's okay. <laughs> Cause...
2: Yeah, um, I mean, I watched it live on the on New Japan World, and uh, I let you handle the Twitter feed because I wanted to wanted to watch it without any influence and without any nonsense. So I stayed away from Twitter and I stay away from message boards, I I did uh, I tweeted a few things here or there during the show from our mentions. Like, I didn't go into our feed.
1: You know, I didn't want right, to see what right. people thought about anything. I just wanted to review it blind. And- well, what was interesting, though, is actually I had to leave the feed at a point, though, because the global force was ahead of the Japanese feed for whatever reason. Oh, okay. okay. Which makes sense for pay per So what I'm doing here is some of the matches I didn't really care. And then they were starting to get close to the end, and I'm going, you know what? No, I, I can't have people go, whoa, near fall, or whoa, there's the finish, or whoa, I can't, you know what I yeah, mean? Like, yeah, yeah. That would kill it for me. There was, I forgot, I think it was the Makabe uh, uh, Ishi match where they were like, whoa, what a finish, and I was just like, I'm not at the finish yet, and I'm like, that sucks, like, cause, and then like, uh, Lariota had already had gifts out before I was even. I was like, okay, no, I can't, <laughs> I can't have that. Like, I need to be, so I had, I had to drop a little bit too. So you were probably better off doing that. Yeah, and then
2: uh, and then the next day, uh, well, my plan was to go to, the, there was an Inspire wrestling show uh on sunday afternoon so my plan was to sleep a couple hours and then it, it's about a two-hour drive to austin and drive to the inspire show check that out <laughs> and then rush home for new year's dash which you know i would have made it with a couple hours to spare because that show didn't start until like 4:30 in the morning so you know i could usually get home from the inspire show if i don't fuck around and i just leave right away i can get home mm-hmm. you know one or two o'clock um, which would have left plenty of time to spare. But what happened was I, 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 I stayed up after uh, the live showing and to write that bleary eyed review instead of going right to sleep. and um, all that did was screw up my entire day because it, it produced a really shitty review number one. And <laughs> it wasn't that bad. It, I was literally falling dozing off as I was typing up the review, but I was insistent on finishing it. Uh, Before I went to sleep, because I was afraid if I went to sleep and I didn't wake up until like four o'clock in the afternoon. Right, right. Then the review never gets up. So I I insisted on finishing. I I finished that up probably around 1130, probably close to noon. Then I fell asleep. Now, I needed to leave the house by three maximum to give me because the inspire, you know, the doors open at five or whatever. Right. And I overslept. I didn't wake up until like quarter to four. So. Completely whiffed and 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 fell asleep and 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 overslept for the Inspire show, so I didn't get out to that. It's probably better than I did because I'd be falling asleep on the way home. And
1: yeah, that seems dangerous. Yeah,
2: you know, on some you know dusty two lane. It, it's 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 it's, <laughs> it's literally like a straight shot from here to Austin, but it's a two lane Texas highway with like no streetlights. And really, it's just, yeah, it's
1: still like that. I feel like that's like an old Terry Funk story, but like it's still like I swear
2: to you, like there's parts of it where you go through random towns where it may like expands to four lanes. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, it's basically a two lane high. It's a two Hmm. straight shot. And it's it's you know, it's it's not it's not very well lit. Uh, So um, I I didn't want to risk it. I knew I'd be falling asleep on the way home. I didn't want to be wrapped around a tree. And uh, it, it turns out the Inspire show, by the way, uh, they turned fans away. Standing room only, and uh, oh, wow. right. they, they had to turn fans away. So, as I predicted, eventually they were going to out outgrow that little room that they're running there. But uh, oh, we thought that. A, a few times ago, right? Yeah, you know, I they mean, were, I, they were even getting close to that almost a year ago, right? At this, by the second or third show, they were pretty yeah. much at max capacity, and and you know they, you know, and and uh, you know, they. I saw some pictures that got sent out. You know, they legitimately had to turn people away, which you know is is great for them. But I yeah, obviously I never made it out there. Uh, I made the responsible decisions instead of trying to rush out to that show, and then, uh, so yeah, and then I, then what I did was instead is I watched the uh, English language version
1: of mm-hmm. of. I should note that I I listen to both the Japanese and the English. So we're going to chime in. You saw the
2: English at the restaurant.
1: Yes, exactly. Yep. Right.
2: And I I watch it at the same time. I I ordered the pay-per-view the next day and then watched the English language so I can get a feel for that. So we could at least talk about that a little bit, too. So um, as far as Ross and Stryker go, I mean, I I thought, you know, I, I completely agreed with what everybody was saying during the show. I thought they were really shaky in the beginning, especially Ross and they got progressively better as the show moved along. Yeah. And then by the end of the show, I thought they were comfortable and they were great. Um, I will say this. I don't think they have good chemistry together. I don't think I would pair them together, like, unless I had no choice. I just don't think they have good chemistry.
1: Now, there, there were two guys talking independent of one another. Yeah. Yeah. They were waiting for the other to stop talking, and then they would start. You know, there was there was very little, uh, and we'll, we'll talk about it in a little bit because it actually goes with the 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 show that you uh, you know made me watch the our, our kind of review of the week or whatever. But yeah, it was very much like this guy doing his part. When he stopped, this guy would come in, and, and there was very little bounce back. There was a few times where Jim Ross would kind of interject or sort of talk to, but it, 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 they weren't talking to each other. They were doing their jobs and and taking turns. If that makes sense, they were kind of talking
2: over each other a lot of points, even towards the end yeah. of the show when they when they, when they started to get more. Content. And that's just, and that's gonna happen because they've never worked together, you know. And they just right think. the
1: first time, and 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 we found out, you know, in the Observer too, and and you could kind of sense it there too. They didn't have producers, they didn't have anything. They were basically you know, somebody would point at them, and it was like, alright well we're on the air like they have a monitor and they have a guy pointing at them and that's it like that they had nobody saying okay you know here's what we want to do no 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 pre anything it was just you have a monitor and go new japan basically said look global force if you
2: want to broadcast this thing back to wherever you want to broadcast it, that's fine we'll give you a couple monitors and we'll give you a folding table but (laughs) and we'll give you a feed of the show but that you're on your own that's basically what it was and they had never worked together before look there's Inevitably, going to be some geek on Twitter that's going to point out some heat match they did together or something.
1: Yeah, I was going to say there has
2: to be some yeah. random. Work. You guys know what I mean. They've never worked together. Okay. They've never <laughs> been partners before. Yeah, what about that uh, SmackDown
1: in 2009? It's going to be some
2: random pay per view pre show match they did or something that some. Aspie is going to point out. But the point is they've never worked together. Uh, so they didn't have any chemistry. I, I don't see them as having great chemistry uh, based on based on what we saw. And the other thing for me watching the English language uh, broadcast, I, I'm very glad that I went with the New Japan. You know, my original intent was since I knew the entire show was going to be on the Global Force pay-per-view, I was going to watch the the pay-per-view. Uh, that was my plan until I changed yeah. my mind, you know, up until like a week before the show. And I'm glad I- that,
1: it was my we talked about it, too. I, on our, that, it was my plan as well. But uh, what happened with me is I, I I just kind of assumed that my Comcast was going to show it live. Um, and, and they didn't. I, I checked. We were right done with the show. And I, I remember I, t- I told everybody, hey, look at your cable providers. Make sure you check or whatever. So I said, huh, I should probably check. And I went, oh, shit, it's not on live. Like, I was only going to get the replays because they were going to show you Uf- a uh, UFC replay. So I'm glad I did that, too. But I did. I, I did the Japan. Yeah. And, I, feed as well, originally. And, but, and the
2: reason I say that is um, I, I found their commentary distracting because here's the thing. Neither one of them had a feel for things like signature moves. And even in some cases, finishing moves where they didn't know they couldn't sense when those things were coming. They couldn't, Mm -hmm. they couldn't sense the setups for certain signature moves or certain big spots. And what they ended up doing was talking over those spots Right. And that's not even their fault. That's just un, that just they're not familiar with the product and they're not familiar right. with the talents. So they, they're not familiar. Like, you, you know, when you watch every show like we do, we know when all those spots are coming. We know when key things are about to occur. Now, these guys are both professional broadcasters. If they were familiar with the talent, they wouldn't have they would have they would have spotted those things, too. They would have had the right instincts. and They wouldn't have, have talked over those spots. Um, there were also a lot of little nuances that they just whiffed on. You know, when when Toguchi did the flip dive, which is obviously a tribute to Prince Devon, right, you who know, he teamed with forever, and he does it in tribute to that De- neither one of them picked up on that. And again
1: uh, how could they? They've probably. It's a month, yeah. I mean, either I, one of Stryker, I, Stryker maybe, but Ross, not a just, chance. I mean, he had a month to learn this, Jim, the entire product. Jim Ross has never seen an Apollo
2: 55 match in
1: his life. <laughs> so I, I'm not ripping Jim Ross. No, no, I mean, it's fine. Yeah, there's no reason he should I mean, yeah, why would he do that? He's never picking up
2: on that. He's not going to pick up the nuance of that spot. Mm-hmm. Stryker watches a little more than Ross does, but he didn't pick up on it either. I, again, I'm not killing them. You know, they they, Stryker had like three weeks to prepare. You know, Ross had, what, 50 days or
1: something. Something like that, yeah.
2: So it's like, you know, you can only watch so much. You're not going to go back and watch tag team matches from 2008. You're just not going to do it. But it's little things like that, which I found distracting. Now, here's the thing. If I was someone – now, the majority of the people watching the English language pay-per-view were probably people either new to the product or – very casual viewers of product right, right. and that stuff probably didn't bother them because they didn't understand it either. So to them, it doesn't, they didn't really, you know, these guys tripping over each other, talking over certain spots and, it probably wasn't distracting to a new viewer because they weren't familiar with those spots. Either. Yeah. So, I,
1: and I, I, spent a lot of the night too. The guys sitting around me, or whatever, and and not only the guys at my table, but there was people, you know, at the tables next to me, or whatever. That they, w- which was a benefit for one thing, is that there were a, a, there was a kind of a I don't know a gaggle, I don't know what the hell you, <laughs> word I want to use, but a group of of people that were s- relative hardcore fans that that knew those spots. So you know what I was saying, like you would hear that kind of oh or whatever, or you didn't get it from you could hear the commentary wasn't really doing well. You, you know, you're talking about these these you know quick spots right. or, or, or or spots that were a big deal you had a lot of fans you know making noise when those things were happening so that I, I i didn't notice it quite as much what was going on in the commentary but there were little things like the taguchi dive like a few little things here and there where i'm sitting there and i'm i'm, I'm you know, it's silence because this is happening. I said, Oh yeah, by the way, that's it. That's like, you know, well, him doing i give you another example. So that's this doing this or whatever. Like that I, I spent a lot of the day where guys are just sitting there looking and, and nothing's the wiser and I kinda look and I'm like, Oh yeah, nobody would <laughs> fucking know what this means. So kind of having to interject a little bit here and there. But that that was there was enough people there, the big spots they knew they were coming and were were getting loud for him. So I was still sort of excited and not hearing the commentary as much, but I I could definitely sense in the background that the commentary was just kind of letting those moments kind of go when, when, when they were important.
2: Another example was when uh, Makabe uh, tried to do the spider suplex to Ishii and he kind of, and he wasn't able to, Ishii fought him off. Mm -hmm. And you know, neither one of them knew what was going on there either. I don't, they just didn't realize that that's a, that's a key spot that's you that can usually be a setup for the King Kong knee drop and everything else. They just, they had no idea what Makabe was even going for. All they know is he ended up upside down on the turnbuckle. You know what right. I mean? So there was a ton of spots like that where I was just kind of, I was rubbing my temples like, ah, oh, these guys are just, they're missing so much of this. But you know, at the end of the day, you know, one thing I did after I watched the show um, was, and, 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 and I really spent a good portion of the next day, uh, going through all these different various message boards and looking for what first time viewers and new viewers thought of the show. And obviously we know now it's already Wednesday, you know, we're probably the last podcast in the world to be reviewing this thing. And this isn't new information for anybody, but this is the show was obviously overwhelmingly positively reviewed yes. by everybody especially by first-time viewers, first-time viewers were blown the fuck yes. away yep. by this show. As well, they should have been because it was a great show. The 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 uh, the hardcore New Japan fan, the person who's been following New Japan for years, we kind of feel vindicated, and we're just like, see, see, we told you this shit is awesome. We told you this is the best product on the planet, and it, 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 there's kind of vindication there. Because all these new viewers who were scoffing, ah, I'm not watching something that you have. Ah, I can't really be that good. Ah, yeah, and these guys.
1: Are, I can't get into the stories. I don't know any of these this guys' is, bad you.
2: I mean, <laughs> and, 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 and Rich, it is, it's me.
1: No, it's me. It is, yeah. it is universal.
2: I, I, yeah. I, none of, I haven't seen a single person say, ah, that wasn't any good. I'm never watching that again. I mean, everybody, these new viewers, they
1: fucking loved it. Yeah, I've seen far more people saying, hey, what can I watch or how can I learn more or, or, or really wanting to to dive in more than people saying, you know, "Eh, I don't want to watch it again. Or even people saying, yeah, it was good for the one time, but I won't come back. Like I am seeing far more of, Oh my God. Shinsuke Nakamura, tell me everything I need to watch about him right now. You know what I mean? Like I'm getting a lot of those and I'm getting emails from friends. I'm getting call. I'm seeing on the on, on the message boards of okay, I like this guy. What do I need to watch? You know, where can I start? You know, where's a good jump off point? And 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 you know, us releasing the book, I think was a perfect time for that as well. Because there's a lot of people that are going, I have no idea, but I want to learn more. And it's like, hey, you know, here you go. Like that we 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 lucked into that, that this show was as big of a success as it was, and, and was as good of a show as it was. I mean, it it on paper looked great, but I think. In your mind, did it exceed expectations? Because it absolutely did for me. Well, look, I gave two of the matches five stars. Right. I mean, so
2: now, probably in my yeah. now now and, and look, um, in my entire life, I've probably doled out five stars less than ten times. And you know, I watch. A, I've been watching a shit ton of wrestling yeah. for thirty years now, or whatever it is. And in my in my entire life, I've done that less than ten times. And I there were two on the show. So did it exceed – absolutely because he, he, there's no way you could ever fathom two matches being that great on a single show. Right. And, uh, you know, uh, I didn't give – I didn't read the Observer. I think Meltzer had, what, five or six matches well over four stars or something yes, like that. Yes,
1: there were – I believe – I have to check to clarify, but I think there was – I guaranteed at least five over four. And, and, and Here you go. I have it right in front of me. Okay, all right. He gave uh, five
2: matches over four stars. He gave Nakamura abushi five, Tanahashi Okada four and three quarter, uh, Suzuki Sakuraba four and a half. I was nowhere close to him on that. <laughs> no, I, did, I And I liked it. I liked it, too. That's kind of yeah, I gave it. But... I think I gave it three and three quarter. Uh, he went off. Uh,
1: he gave Ishii and Makabe
2: four and a half and Makabe Ishii and he gave four and a half on Styles Naito. So he had five matches over four stars and one five star match. I had four matches that were four stars or better and two, five star matches. I gave uh Makabe Ishii and styles Naito four stars, even. And I mm-hmm. gave Tanahashi Okada and Nakamura Abushi five stars. And then I had a bunch of matches like three and a half, three, three and a quarter. You know what I mean? Um, so, you know, Dave gave higher ratings than probably anybody. Um, I haven't seen ratings this high um, anywhere for, 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 for a lot of these matches, but yeah, to answer your question, Obviously, it exceeded expectations because you can't ever expect main event, the main event matches <laughs> yeah. to be as, as great as they were. So, so, yes, I think it was a better show than last year's Dome show. Oh, God, yeah. But I don't – Not even no, – un- unquestioned. It, it, but it's very close to the year before, though. The year before was a great show. The year before didn't have two five-star matches on it. But, oh, the, uh, seven?
1: Wrestle Kingdom seven? The, yeah. But the
2: year before was deeper, I think.
1: Oh, absolutely. No, I, I think overall is a – yeah, that'd be, that'd be tough. I'd have to kind of watch them back-to-back. I thought – yeah, I really enjoyed Wrestle Kingdom Seven. That that might be my favorite wrestling show ever, and I don't know if this quite was, despite having the two you know amazing matches. But yeah, Wrestle Kingdom Seven, I just remember top to bottom just being. I mean, you had the great you know juniors Matt. Yeah, that that one is that one's real tough to mess with. That might be one of the better ones ever. But
2: yeah, uh, why don't we do that? You know what? Let's do that real quick. I think since we're really the last people to do this,
1: and everyone has heard a million different opinions, and
2: we're gonna
1: rev- <laughs> no, we're gonna review the show. Oh, absolutely, yeah. But we're gonna do a little flair. We we don't need to break it down. You you don't need. We're not breaking any ground here by uh. Let's, let's
2: have a little fun here. Let's look at seven. Okay. And i I got it pulled up so we'll compare here. Okay. All right. So seven. There were two dark matches. We won't worry about those. Um. Let's see. Yeah. Seven had. Okay. Here's the meat of the card. You had that Devitt Ibushi low key three way, which, which was which was incredible. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. Uh Tenkoji versus uh, Muto and Otani. Remember, Otani replaced um, Daishi Hashimoto, mm-hmm. who is now in witness protection, wrestling for Inoki, <laughs> doing jobs for Super Tiger. So to show you where his career has gone, you know, if he had never broken his arm and he actually had worked the show, his career path might have been a lot different. You know that? But that's neither here nor there. That wasn't that wasn't anything special. That wasn't anything.
1: Yeah, I, I don't remember. Yeah, I, I don't really remember that match at all, to be honest. Makabe but. Shibata. I remember that being pretty good. Nakamura Sakuraba, which was that was great.
2: An yeah. Excellent match, uh, match of year contender, and then Tanahashi Okada, which was probably their weakest singles match of their series.
1: Uh, I agree. Still yeah. an excellent
2: match. You know what? This show was better than that show. Yeah, I thought that show was better. But you had Kes versus uh, Swords and Guns, Goto and Anderson. That was okay. Yeah, Tanaka. Why did I think there was a
1: Suzuki Tanahashi on that one? No, Which? it was
2: Suzuki Nagata.
1: Suzuki Nagata,
2: okay. And it was Tanaka, Shelton, Benjamin, and then opening stuff that, that is irrelevant. Yeah, and then Ryan. Right. No, this match this no. This one blew it away. Now let's look. This one blew it away then. I, I apologize. Now, last hey, correction. Year, yeah. But but you see, the thing about the the Wrestle Kingdom seven is Nakamura Sakuraba was right up there. Now, with these two matches, it, it, that was a legitimate four and three-quarter star, match, yeah. four and a half, four and three-quarter star match. But there isn't a second match on that show that matched the quality of the second match on, on this year's show.
1: Yeah, and, and you would think Tanahashi no Kata, but yeah, that was. Now that we've, and it's sort of maybe in the moment, we probably like that a little bit more, sure. but now seeing what they're capable of, you're kind of like, yeah, Because, I mean, that that is universally considered, I think, it's, at least in my mind. It's universally the worst of the series. Right, and, and worst is relative, but still, yeah, that that's. I gave it four even. Right, and that's that's the worst. <laughs> Believe it or not, that's well, unfortunately mean, we're gonna get into it. They've, but... they've created some standards where four is uh. We're gonna get yeah. into that, but these two guys are just
2: incredible. They're it's just, but we'll get into that. Uh, last year's show, let's see, we had uh, Tanahashi Nakamura as like a very good match. I think I had four and a quarter for that. Yeah. Uh Okada Naito, which you just rewatched and you loved. I loved it. Yeah, that was really really good. Abushi versus Devitt, which was uh, probably comparable to Styles Naito. Same yeah. same neighborhood. Goto Shibata, uh, and I believe they hugged it out after that one, if I'm, if I'm yep. not mistaken. That was the feud ender. Probably comparable, if not a little better, than than uh, than, than Ishii and Makabe, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. You had Makabe, Bad Luck, Fale, and the King of Destroyer match. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, you had,
1: I did not like that one, did I? I, I, remember I it, was
2: like okay. it. it was okay. It was okay. They did a lot of brawling. Remember, it was It was alright. It was okay. Uh, the the requisite Muda appearance. He teamed with Yano against uh. Oh, that was Shelton yeah. X and Menorahs. Oh, good. But that doesn't count. That's just kind of. You like, had your Gracie match that no one cared about. You had, Koji- oh. <laughs> you
1: had Kojima and Conway in the Conway 2. That was, I think when I was editing your review for, for the book, I think you were like, well, hopefully this is the end of the crazy season." Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. We'll, we'll like that's, of- that's, that's The recurring theme of Gracie matches is like, well, this can't go on much longer. Like, they should be done. And, you know, this should wrap up the Gracie's just about here. It's like, oh, they lost. Okay, that's the end of this. And, no, it, it never was. You had uh,
2: Kojima and Conway in the Conway 2-star special that he give, gives you every time out. And uh, Bullet Club against KES. Uh, so, and then, uh, and then, like essentially the same exact uh, four-way junior yeah. tag opener with with Suzuki-gun uh, of Taichi and Taka in place of Red Dragon. So that match. Yeah, the top, the top wasn't bad then. The, the top was comparable. Let me tell you, Wrestle Kingdom Nine was better than this show too. Yes. Uh, let's go back. We're not going to go back. Let's go back to six, but we'll stop there. Let's see.
1: Uh, I don't have many memories of six. Uh, you
2: will when we talk about it.
1: Yeah, no, I know. I'm just trying to think. I'm just trying to think of uh, off the top of my head.
2: That was. Maybe. Was this a Suzuki Tana There's yeah, one of them. Six is, right?
1: is Suzuki Tana. That's it. OK, OK. I, I, I've been missed. Which okay. is
2: just as good as. I, I yes. would put that on the same level as the two matches we just saw. That was Certainly, a legitimate yeah. five star. I think Incredible. I think at the yeah. time I had the five star fear. I don't remember. But if if anyone gave that five, they weren't wrong.
1: Yeah, I think um, you went four and three and, 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 quarter or something. Yeah, I was one of those. It's, We're too scared. But yeah, I don't. I don't, I don't have
2: anymore. the fear anymore. But uh, <laughs> we'll talk. We'll talk about the five star fear. Yeah. I got a nice rant yeah. for that. But uh, that Muto and Naito, again. The Muto appearance. Those are never anything special. It's it's always cool to see Muto, but you know he's he's not in a position to have great matches anymore. Uh, Go Shiozaki and uh, Mayer Fuji and the and Noah versus uh, Chaos against Nakamura and Yano. I don't remember that being anything special. Makabe no, versus uh, Takayama. Again, nothing special there. Goto, Sagira. I really like that. I don't remember if anybody else really liked that too much. Yeah, I don't. I
1: have no memories of that.
2: Uh, Tenkoji versus uh, Bad Intentions. MVP and Shelton Benjamin versus Complete Players. Uh, of course, Tanaka and Yujiro. Uh, Stack of Arms versus Nagata and uh, Wataro Anoi. That was the uh, Nagata-Stack of Arms feud, which was an excellent <laughs> feud. But if I recall, that match had no time on this card, if I recall. Yeah, um, it had the, I
1: seem to remember being quick, yeah.
2: Yeah, because it, it was the first half and everything was rushed. It, this was also the show with the horrible Okada-Yoshihashi match. Mm-hmm. And if you right. recall, you, you, that you know they, they got no reaction. And then when Okada challenged Tanahashi after the <laughs> match, a
1: joke, yeah. people booed. Well, they had four minutes, too. It was like four bad minutes. Yeah, I mean, it like, wasn't think good. about that. It wasn't even just like a, a bad match that they had, like, you know, 20 minutes to kind of work their way through. It was like four horrible minutes. And then this guy's going to challenge for the title? Like, what? And then uh, Apollo 55 versus No
2: Remorse Core. That was good. That was great. That was great. I and remember. then there was a random six-man with, uh, you know, the usual suspects and a dark match. So I would consider that um, since that's when Okada came back, let's stop there.
1: Yeah, because it's a whole different ballgame. Um, you
2: know, a lot so. of people, you know, um, Alan argues when people say, when did this era start? Alan Kunahan argues 2007, which is a decent starting point. I I think that's going back too far. I, I argue it was the card we just talked about. Yeah, I, I agree. You could also argue, if you wanted to argue a starting point, the new beginning show where Okada beat Tanahashi. Mm-hmm. I'd have no well, problem. As that. an experiment, go back. Go back. Let's let do me, Wrestle well, Kingdom Let me five. finish. Let me finish this. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: point. Because I want to see how big of a difference the roster sort of is in. in, in right, that let year. me. But anyway. Yeah. Let me finish this train of thought though.
2: There's several different starting points for "quote unquote" modern New Japan. You can go with. You can go with the 2007, which is what Alan likes to do. You can go with Wrestle Kingdom. Uh. Uh. Wait. Six. six. With with uh, when when Okada came back from excursion and and the Suzuki Tanahashi match, which really because of the five stars Dave gave it, put a lot of attention on New Japan. If you, mm-hmm. so myself you... included, yes, yeah, so, right. That's the that's the show that got you into New Japan.
1: I think it was a little bit – there was a Suzuki Tanahashi before that that I think you made me watch. And I was like, hmm, kind of interested. And then I sort of wavered a little bit. But this is the one where that's I when went for That's you throwing. were all in. This is, this is my – this, for me, is my point, my real jump-off point to like, okay, I have to watch this all the time now. Right, so like, got, yeah, exactly. So we got 2007. We got Wrestle Kingdom 6.
2: Another good st- uh, starting point to me would be the new beginning show right after that Wrestle Kingdom because that's where Okada beat Tanahashi. In. Right. So that's a good – another a good jump point to me, another good starting point. Uh, that you could argue for is the King of Pro Wrestling show from 2012, because that was the first i pay per view on Ustream. And mm-hmm. remember, that was like one of the greatest shows of all time.
1: Yeah, that's a, that's a really good one. Yeah. So
2: that's a good. Uh, so I think you could argue any of those four starting points. For when the ran for when the run uh,
1: began, so you wanted to go back to five and look at the different. Yeah, I just want to see what the roster kind of turnover. So, so we just heard that Wrestle Kingdom six. L- let's see, because I, I'm kind of with you. I think 2007 is way too far to go. I mean, that that's that's different worlds apart. Uh, but I, I want to see how different just a prior year to to that Wrestle Kingdom six is.
2: Okay, the wrestle. This was the one where there was still TNA participation, and this was the show where Tanahashi beat Kojima for the title. Mm-hmm. You had Makabe and Tanaka underneath that Makabe and Tanaka, Masato Tanaka went on before the main event. Um, <laughs> Shinsuke, not Shin, Shinsuke. Come on. Shinsuke. Sorry, nerds. People
1: just deleted this podcast. Uh, yeah, Sh-
2: Shinsuke Nakamura Unsubscribe. and go Shiozaki, you know, with the Noah thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Had, uh, Jeff Hardy, Naito, which if you remember, <laughs> not good was for the TNA title and Hardy was loaded and the match was awful. Um, you had Segura and Takayama against Goto and Okada, Hiroki Goto and Kazuchika Okada versus Segura and Takayama. I got to go back and watch that one, on on uh, New Japan World. I have no recollection of that. Uh, Prince Devitt against Kota Ibushi, Yuji Nagata versus Minoru Suzuki, uh, Rob Van Dam versus Toru Yano, the battle <laughs> of the thumb pointing. That was that was a hardcore match, and it was fun bad. It wasn't good. Um, it was bad, but it was fun bad. Whereas Hardy and Naito, if you recall, was just the fucking shit. It was terrible. Yeah, just awful. Um, I remember this one, the deep sleep to lose match between Tenzon <laughs> and Azuka where you had to put your man to sleep. <laughs> or the or the audience. Yeah, you had to choke him out. <laughs> Excellent point, but you had to choke your man out. Uh, Mascara Dorada and La Sombra against Jushin Liger and uh, Hector Garza. And then it was uh, a couple dark matches, and the opener was Bad Intentions against Beer Money and uh, Muscle Orchestra. So, uh, Strongman getting on, getting in on the action yeah. with Nakanishi. So, they had the three way to open the show, and then um, you know there was a couple openers, which actually the openers are pretty interesting. Look at this dark match Koji Kanamoto, who I guess was starting to fall out of favor by that point, teamed with Taguchi against Kenny Omega and Taichi. Oh, wow. What a strange dark match, huh? And then the other dark match was Tama, Tonga, Tiger Mask, and uh Hanma. And and and, and So it was four it was an eight man against Gato, Jado, Tomohiro, Ishi, and Yujiro. Oh. And and Yujiro. So okay. and you know, going through these old shows, it kind of shows people how far Ishii has come. He didn't work the show last year. All in right. any capacity. So uh, you know, there you go. Um so yeah, that there's there's uh, pr- that's not as many
1: that's not as worlds apart as I thought it was. It's not.
2: Be. No, I mean there's TNA participation, but it's the basic mm-hmm. crew of guys, and some guys hadn't been elevated yet. Some guys weren't, you know, uh, Shibata hadn't been brought back yet, and Okada mm-hmm. hadn't even gone away yet. So, but yeah, I mean, I think now looking at this and not just going off memory, nine was the best show uh, since the the for my quote unquote modern New Japan. This was the nine was the best show. And I, I would say so um, pretty easily, in fact, now looking back at the shows. It just goes to show you, too, these shows just keep getting better and better, man. It's this company just um, continually tops itself. So I don't know. You want to get into breaking down the show or what?
1: Yeah, let's do that. Well, I mean, a real quick note here. Um, there was some some discussion about attendance, and and we had heard that you know the advance had been really good. That they were looking at, you know, there was rumors going out there. Carl Anderson was saying, oh, we're you know fifty thousand or whatever. I mean, there's people throwing out numbers. Uh, we ended up getting that the uh, total the attendance was sixty three uh, thousand or paid fans. Uh, or no, that's draw. That, that's that is the draw number, right? No, that's a paid number. Thirty six thousand paid. Thirty six thousand paid. Yes. Yeah, so we still don't know the exact. No, and there wasn't that many more in the building because
2: they didn't paper. Right, cause, they didn't paper much. So okay, all right. So so um, essentially, we can say thirty six k. yeah, it's thirty six k, and the thing is, there that's all that was there. They didn't paper the building at all. So there have been over forty in the building before, but they've never had this many paid in the last. Well, what is it? Uh, thirteen years. Right. So this was the most the biggest paid attendance over the last 13 years. And uh, this is the fourth straight year also of growth. Now, the growth is very minimal because last yes, year's it's paid up, it's was, was 35000 yeah. So it's essentially flat, technically growth. Technically, the fourth straight year of growth and the highest paid attendance figure in 13 years. Now, think about this before we get into uh, some of the Meltzer stuff. Think about this now. If I would have told you in 2010 and I would have said, Rich, in 2015, knowing the state of New Japan in 2010 and where they were, if I would have said to you in 2015, this company's going to have four straight years of dome attendance growth, and they're going to set a 13-year high in dome attendance with 36,000 fans. You would have looked at – and the show's going to be broadcast all over the world on paper. And <laughs> Jeff Jarrett's going to be handling the, the back end. You would have looked at me like I was out of my fucking mind. Right. Um, so here's the thing. I'm on record as saying 40,000 would have been considered a big success. I wasn't one of those people who was saying they needed to do 50, 60,000. I said 40,000 would have been would have been considered a success, would have been good growth. So from that perspective, only growing to 36,000, quote-unquote only, uh, yeah, I guess it's a slight disappointment. But in the grand scheme of things, people are making way too much over the fact that this is some kind of disappointing. This is a high-water high mark over the last 13 years. Yeah, it's it's a big what deal. What more do people that's, want? This is the most people they've drawn to the show in thirteen years. Thirteen years.
1: Right. Okay. And at some point, you have to. And 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 it's an issue with some stuff as well, is that people have these attendance figures in their heads that they're they're used to. It might not ever get fifty thousand. There the might people, not be sixty thousand people that want to go. I some mean, that, of the that's, people scoffing at this number were in diapers. The last time they beat this
2: attendance figure. <laughs> Okay. 13 years. This is the high watermark for 13 years. And they've had growth four years in a row. Okay. I, I, I really don't understand like the doom and gloom coming out of some quarters, but that's neither here nor there. Um, it, you cannot call the show unsuccessful. <laughs> you can't yeah, mark for 13 yeah, years. Right. Okay. And it, it's, it's, it's a minimal positive growth there's positive growth. Now, Was a blowaway success business-wise? No, you can't call it a blowaway success. Forty thousand, I think, would have been. I would. I would call forty thousand a blowaway success. And I gave that number a month ago on this show. I gave that number a month ago. I would call forty thousand a blowaway. I'm not calling it a blowaway super success, but uh, this this whole idea that that New Japan isn't hot. Well, listen. If there's a blizzard outside, Rich, right, and I peek out the blinds and see the blizzard, I can turn around and tell you that it's 70 degrees, and I I can stomp my feet and cross my arms and dig my heels in and say, hey, it's 70 degrees out there. But you know what? Eventually, I'm going to have to go outside with a shovel and dig my car out, okay? Okay. You can't tell me New Japan isn't hot.
1: <laughs> I don't know where that analogy went at all, but OK. <laughs> the
2: analogy is the analogy is it's it's people are full of shit. OK, I got you. they're just they're just they're they're, fight, they're they're fighting something that you can't fight. You could tell me that there's no blizzard outside. But, you know, it, the proof is when you look out your window, when your fucking car is buried under six feet of snow. I mean, stop. I mean, I I don't understand why people is it, well I do understand I'm not going to answer why they do it, but 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 the, the it's 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 people there there are people who are just dying to jump in with that Schadenfreude you know what I mean but the problem is <clears> you can't have Schadenfreude unless there's actual <laughs> disappointment that's the problem here I mean it's it's a high watermark for 13 years yeah and I think that that's that's one of the because I think
1: and I sort of was getting at it a little bit is that there's so much. And we're guilty of it in, in in all circles and all wrestling. It's not doing new, new Japan where we sort of compare stuff to, well, you know, this guy used to, this used to have. You know, weekly there'd be ten thousand here. You know, in the Tokyo Dome in the '90s it was 60,000, whatever. We can't keep going back to stuff that was. I mean, I I, and I I say this a bunch during the Hall of Fame season as well. It's great that we measure people by how many ten k you know houses they drew and all that sort of stuff. Today in the or, you know in the Observer today Dave Meltzer had a big list of guys with ten k or whatever you know. It might never get ba- – I mean we have to think of – it has to be relative. You, you know what I mean? Where if you beat the watermark, in this case, 13 years, that's a long enough sample size to say, look, over the past – you can make it 10 years and say over the past 10 years, this is the best one. That's, that's a success. Because it's not the best one in the last 30 years doesn't make it not a success. You, you, you know be, what I mean? You, like, you
2: can you – it could be slightly disappointing
1: and still be a huge success right disappointing in the sense that maybe you thought it was gonna be a lot better. here's what but happened but now let's, let's not
2: get into you know what I mean let's like, get into yeah. why people thought that to begin with uh, a couple weeks ago in The Observer, Dave says that the advance was um fifty percent over the year before and he said it looked like it could sell out now now let's note he never gave a figure right it never he never said it looks like gonna no sell no out. we
1: never knew what sell out we never unquote. knew
2: what sellout meant but he said the show could sell out so everybody not some people not us not whoever everybody took that to mean holy shit they might have 60,000 people in that building now why did everybody assume that because what have we been told all these years oh back in the day these shows would pack 60,000 people in the building mm-hmm. so naturally we all jumped to that conclusion because that's you know now we come to find out first of all the building was never set up for 60,000 people. I mean, as soon as that dark match came on and I saw some of the upper deck had the tarps over, I said to myself, there's no fucking way that this place is even going to have 50,000 people in it because you need every single one of those seats that isn't hidden behind the set open to even approach numbers like that. The other thing here is people really need to start listening to Matt Farmer. Matt Farmer got got attacked on Twitter from all sides and he and he stood his ground. He thinks all those numbers are works. He doesn't believe any of them, right? Um, except for a couple of the ones that might have had, you know, standing room only and and whatnot. He doesn't.
1: But- and that's Mister Attendance too. In case you guys don't know Matt Farmer, I mean, that's the guy who every lucha attendance number. He's written a few articles for this site as well. That's that guy. He he loves looking up attendance and really getting to the bottom of what attendance. He's
2: he's a he's a, you know, he's a historian, like is what yeah. he does. Right. So uh, you know, and and the point is. He thinks all that sixty thousand bullshit is a work. He, you know, and, and to him, he says, if you have a stage in that place, you're not drawing more than 43,000
1: people. You can't, mm-hmm. can't fit them in the building. Which is interesting, because I have noticed, you know, especially with New Japan, World, well, going back and watching those old shows, I, I, there was one show that I watched. I remember that was, I, I, I forgot, I, I can't remember the year, but I remember it's one that they say had like sixty thousand or whatever. And I remember watching it, you know, and it was early in the show or whatever. All the lights were still on or whatever, and I look at the setup. And the setup didn't look much different than it is now. It was like you know how there's those huge gaps between you know the the, the bleachers and the and the floor and the stage is as big as it was and and it might have even been that 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 uh, Battlefield 94 one or whatever that that I thought I I don't have the exact figures in front of it. But I think that one they said 56,000 or something like that. And then you look at the setup and there's tarps the same place they were. There were stages where they were. It it, it always amazed me. And then I always used to say, huh, I wonder how they got you know 56,000 people in here. And then now they only get you know 35,000 in what looks to be a similar. Setup. I don't know where those extra thirty thousand people go. You know where they watch the show at, but I've, that, that's always interesting to me now, as of late. You know, watching these shows on New Japan World and going, eh, I don't know. These are really weird. To,
2: to simplify his point, basically what he was saying was the seats that you lose by adding the stage, right, which is a gigantic stage you, and always you is. you make up with on the floor, uh, give or take a couple thousand. Mm-hmm. So now now here's the interesting thing, which 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 asks this. Now I think where Dave was irresponsible. I will say this: where I think Dave was irresponsible is when he said it could sell out. He should have given what that meant, sure, yeah. because it let everyone's imagine. Everybody went nuts and thought there was going to be sixty thousand people in the place if it, in fact, had sold. It didn't sell out anyway. Which they
1: should have. I mean, to be honest, that, I mean, I, I see why that happened. I, sure. I, I'm guilty of it too. Of going, "Oh my God," because sell out to me means okay, they sold out in the '90s. So now here's what you I know. think happened. Yeah.
2: Here's what I think happened. I think the same exact thing happened to Meltzer. I think he heard that 50% advance, which, by the way, he stood behind in this week's Observer. Mm-hmm. I think he heard that number, and he assumed the same thing the rest of us did. I think he too, which is why he didn't bother putting a number in there because Dave is too good at what he does. If he knew that it was a 40,000-seat setup, he would have mentioned that in that, in, when, when he reported that. He would have said this show could sell out for a 40,000-seat. He didn't say that. He didn't put a figure. He left it ambiguous because I think he just assumed like everybody else it was going to be one of those old school sixty thousand fan deals, which Matt Farmer disputes anyway. So anyway, right. getting back to Matt Farmer, now think about it. Now here's here's what complicates things. All during the lead up to the show we were seeing tweets, we were seeing tweets from fans saying I can't buy a ticket. That's weird, right? Because apparently there were tickets remaining. We were also seeing uh, tweets where people were showing seating charts with all the sections crossed out.
1: Right, exactly, yeah.
2: Except for like the, –
1: the, There was a few. There was a few uh, sections here and know, there, but they were like a GA admission. Yeah, they, they it, was the,
2: it was like okay. random upper deck sections. Right. And what everyone assumed was – now here's the thing. Then it came out that there were, se- there were about six or 7,000 seats remaining in the upper deck. And everyone just assumed, well, people are going to walk up and buy those and it's going to be a sellout. Now here's the thing, Rich. Going back, and I hope everyone's following this. Matt Farmer said forty-three thousand, right? He said the setup it, you could probably fit about forty-three thousand. Mm-hmm. How many tickets did they sell? Uh, what was it thirty-six thousand? Yeah. Okay. How many didn't did they not sell? Seven thousand. What's thirty-six yep. plus seven? Don't make me do math. 36? I know forty six. 42, Forty-two Matt Farmer was the money. Yep. They didn't get that walk-up. If you read this week's Observer, Dave says, "Look, they got the 50% higher advance than they had. Then right. they sold it to all the people who were into the product, but, they, but then it, that's it. It stalled. The sellout for this, right. the, the sellout figure for this show, was roughly 43,000 fans. There was no way, even if they had sold those seven, six to seven thousand walk-up tickets." That this wouldn't have been viewed as a disappointment because everyone had 60 in their brain coming in. Mm-hmm. And they ended up not selling those seats anyway. They only sold the 36. They didn't even sell those six or 7,000 walk-up seats. Those remained empty. So what this goes to show me is people need, really need to start listening to Mad Farmer because right. he ran the money here. If 7,000 people would have walked up, this show would have been a sellout and it would have been sold out for 43,000 fans. With those two or three sections that you can see that were tarped off. So mm-hmm. if you want to tack on another, I don't know, let's say 3,000, okay? You're only cramming about forty-six to 47,000 people in there with that stage right. setup. So,
1: just, you're still about 13,000 off from so the, we, <laughs> the mythical number, yeah. So we
2: learned something here. What we learned was even at max capacity with a stage – you know, Matt Farmer was right. You're not getting fifty thousand people in there, let alone sixty thousand. You just can't do it. And he was insisting, and people were arguing with him. And you know what? I, I he and I watched from afar. I didn't comment because I don't know enough about it. You know what I mean? I, I don't I don't know. You we've you, always heard that those numbers were worked in the past. I mean, I, I stayed out of it, but I kept up with the conversations he was having with people, and he was right. So now we know for the better. You know, they're not getting more than forty. They're getting about forty-five thousand people in their max, if they open the whole thing up with the current mm-hmm. stage setup. So I think that's that's important to note too. I mean, you know, I, I think now the expectation is different. But but anyway, I, I mean, yeah. So from that perspective, the thirty-six thousand, uh, I would call it slightly disappointing because you know, I, I would have called forty a massive success. But you, you, it's it's still a very successful show. You can't call a show that drew more fans than any other show did in Japan over the last 13 years. You can't not call that a success, and uh, and 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 you just can't. I mean, I, I don't see. Uh, and, and to be fair, I don't think anyone's really saying it wasn't a success. Um, but. It, 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 there's disappointment. It's strong involved. strong. It's also yeah. strong to flat out call it a disappointment too.
1: I don't know. I it's it's hard for me. I mean, I think d- disappointment in expectations is different than than disappointment in 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 business wise. I, I think that's the issue. with sort of separating that is that you know we all sort of got really excited and then it was like ah it didn't really quite happen or whatever. But I think that's a different disappointment than being disappointed in their success. How you know what I mean? you they're, view
2: they're, it if 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 Dave had slapped a number if Dave had said that the setup was for forty forty thousand fans. In that initial report, do you think people are still viewing it
1: as a dis? No. No. I don't know the answer to that. I'm not sure. I mean, it's not sold out, so I guess that, you know. I, I not still technically sold out, so I wonder if that's well, still Well, I mean, causes, let's be honest yeah, here. Yeah. They can, let's be honest here. New Japan
2: could draw 50,000 fans paid, and there would still be people that would say, ah, well, you know, right. 1993, you know, so there is that portion of people. Who will never be satisfied. But in general, if Dave had put a number on that in his initial report, do you think there would still be this? Because it, that was very deflating that morning when the number came in because of that expectation level, which we all assumed. So I don't, I don't know the answer to that. That's why I'm putting that out there. I, I don't. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I don't know if I have a good answer for you either. But um, interesting. Yeah, maybe maybe we can get some listeners to chime in there.
2: But who cares? Let's talk about the matches because
1: yeah, let's talk about the the matches is
2: what's really interesting. So, um, let's get into that. Do you want
1: to? Absolutely. Yeah, let's run this down here real quick. So we start off with the now we both watched the Japanese feed, so obviously we both saw the pre-show match, which is the 15-man New Japan Rambo. Which, by the way, real quick before we go over everybody who was in here, overall thoughts on the Rambo? Are you ready to see more? No, it was not very good. Some people really liked it. Some people really, really liked it. I it was it was funny it was cute <laughs> but like you know what i mean like cute is the best way i could kind of put it but it's like a match it was
2: it was it was i don't care if they do it every year i mean it's it's a dark match it's not really you know who cares if it stinks but i mean and it had its moments that were like you said there were moments in it that were cute you know you know the young lions getting their pin you know on taiichi or whoever it was and great kabuki who could barely walk spitting the mist and getting disqualified because they probably knew he couldn't bump and then uh, you know Taka immediately getting um, put in the Fujiwara armbar with the mist in his face so that was that was kind of fun Um, you know
1: Hiro Saito being blown up before he even got in the ring (laughs) He was hanging around uh, for a while. I think he, I, I, I I I'm I'm guessing the only reason he hung around as long as he did is that he was just too blown up to like take a bump outside. Because there was a long time where I'm like, why is he still in here? Like everybody else is kind of working around him, and he's just kind of like laying in the corner, like catching his breath. I'm sure at some point he was like, all right, now you can. You know what I mean? Like he was just hanging on forever, and I was like, man, I get this guy out of here. I thought he was gonna I, break people's ribs with those with those sentons too. <laughs> <laughs> Just landed. Yeah, he probably did those, He was probably about hundred pounds lighter when he was doing when he was Mister Senton, But that's all right. I don't know. So Yuji
2: Nagata, Yuji cool. Nagata yeah. won. He. I think Yoshihashi was last eliminated. So, um Tama Tonga stuck around for a while. Uh, this fucker went twenty six minutes. Yeah. I mean, there were fifteen no guys. Go- oh, well, there were fifteen really? guys in a minute between. Yeah. You know? Jeez, it went by quick then. Okay. Well, I'll give it that. I didn't think it was twenty six minutes. Such until he's going to together. But uh, I mean, you know. I, it went on for a little while. Yeah, it sounds about right. I
1: mean, twenty six minutes. All right. Well, whatever. There you go. So that was the Rambo. Yeah, I I, I give it one and a half stars. I think you gave it one. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, that's most people kind of gave it. a They could do that so. every year. That would be fine. It's just it's it is what it is. It's yeah. It's yeah. I mean that, that it, I, we've already talked more about it than we ever need to. All right. Now we started with the actual show uh, broadcast. Obviously, we talked a lot about the the flips app had a bunch of issues at this point. Uh, the global force feed. I know it took a little while to get going. It was there were some issues with the the intro video was in Japanese, so some people were freaking out. Everything worked out. The flips app was was a, a monumental failure from from pretty much the entire point. I know uh, a lot of people were able to get it working, uh, you know, a little bit later, but for the most part, just not a not a good service. I mean the day of they say oh wait no you can't use Chromecast. We never said that and then on, all over their website it says you can use Chromecast to watch it live. Just a bunch of issues and we sort of warned people throughout. I had you know throughout the week people were saying, "Okay, tell me about this Flipstap. You know, what, you know, how, what can I do to get the Flipstap? How you know, we were saying, you know, look, we're doing a New Japan World, we're doing the pay-per-view. We're not messing with this Flipstap. We have no idea what it is. I, I, you know, I don't know what to tell you about flips and, 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 you know, I, I feel bad because I did mention it at a point, but yeah, there was, there was, you know, there was did, what do you feel bad so. for that, that? This was an advertised way to order the show. You shouldn't feel bad. I, you know, no, I know. But just even, even recommending it to anybody. Cause then I had people going, Oh my God, you know, I can't watch it or whatever. Look, and I, look, I flips, no I, flips dropped the ball, man. I don't even think
2: Jeff Jarrett should feel guilty about that. I mean, flips sucks. No, one's going to have any consumer confidence in them moving forward uh, because wrestling fans have been burned so many times. By so many services that they don't have patience for this shit anymore. So I think Jarrett would best be served to get as far away from flips as he possibly can. Now, if Jarrett does Triple Mania or Invasion Attack, whatever the hell Jarrett does next with this GFW deal, whatever he does next, if he goes back and uses flips again, you can get on Jarrett. You know, yes. that, there's no way he can go back to these guys they, with the disaster that occurred, uh, and and what I didn't like about flips was they waited till the day to show to tell people. Oh, by the way. Yeah, all oh, right. Yeah. You can't use an
1: LG TV, you can't use a Chromecast, and you can't use, you can't an use Xbox. they are supposed to be one of their biggest <laughs> the Chromecast and Xbox a bi- all over their copy, all over their advertising was about Xbox and Chromecast. Well you can watch the replay on it. Well nobody gives a shit about the replay yet. Like yeah, that that was really shitty of them. Yeah, they, that. they
2: that's really deceptive to wait till the last day to do that. And uh, yeah, the flips didn't work out. Twenty five hundred buys on the flips, which I mean, how many iPay per views have eclipsed that? I mean, I was shocked to see that number. Yeah, that's good. That's really twenty five hundred on the flips. I mean, that's you know, that's crazy. I mean, because that yeah, was
1: a Ring of Honor eye pay per view numbers alone on that. So,
2: um, which, crazy, which I mean, yeah. they're not getting any money for them because they're giving out refunds for half of them. But um, now, now, from what I understand, and I heard Jared on the radio today. You could still order the replay on the Flips app, and it's working fine. It was just yeah, the replay was fine because that's what we watched
1: um, at, at the bar uh, on Sunday. It, it was through the Flips. It was the replay, and it was fine. Everything was was perfectly okay.
2: Right. So the replays worked fine. It's just the live show was an absolute disaster. But yeah. Uh,
1: anyway, so we started out with the opener here, which is the four way tag team match for the junior heavyweight tag titles. We had Red Dragon, uh, Forever Hooligans, Time Splitters, and the Young Bucks. This was 13 minutes, and it was pretty damn good. I enjoyed it. You could tell the guys – I mean, everything was rushed in this first part of the show, but it was okay. This one – I don't think this was rushed. No, I, I think – no, and I meant that for – the ones coming up are a little bit. Yeah. This one – Less so. I mean, this is 13 minutes is about what you get for these guys. So it's not like they were going to get 20 minutes. Nobody ever expected 20 minutes. I was glad it wasn't, you know, six minutes. I, I was sort of waiting for it to be six minutes. And then it ended up being a pretty damn good match. They got time and, and, and they worked. You could tell sort of at the beginning as well that this one was going to get time because it, it was worked slower pace at the beginning. And then they sort of kicked it into a next gear for the last, you know, five or, you know, five, five, to, five to six minutes. The last five or six were real, real quick and real, you know, exactly what you sort of expected out of this. But I really enjoyed this. I thought this was great.
2: They got more time than I thought they were going to get, and uh, I knew they were going to get. As soon as Bobby Fish and Kushida started the match with mat work, I knew they were getting some time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I knew they were getting at least their usual allotted amount of time because they wouldn't have fucked around with that mat work if they weren't getting the usual allotment of time. And yeah, I thought, uh, you know, look, in a, in a four in a match with eight guys, not everybody is going to get a chance to shine. And I think some of the people kind of got lost in this thing, but for the most part, yeah, it was it was. The usual match. it was uh, you know it was it was solid it was a solid match it was the usual that you get in this sort of situation maybe a little bit better I had a shade under four I think I gave it three and a half or something like that so.
1: uh, you gave it three and uh, three and three quarters I gave it three and a half yeah, so, so I thought it, in particular red dragon just continues to just they're, they're really really good I mean I know it's not kind of breaking news on them and, and, and everybody everybody did a really good job here but I thought over I mean red dragon just stands out to me among these teams of just being a really, really good tag Now, team.
2: the interesting thing here, too, especially in hindsight, and I thought it was interesting, and I even wrote it in the review, was that, you know, Alex Kozlov, first he took the Meltzer <laughs> driver in this match which didn't lead to the finish obviously cuz Red Dragon won. But he took the Elter driver. Then they teased the Chasing the Dragon with Haslav and, and and he was saved when somebody pulled fish out of the ring. And then he ended up eating the the uh the Chasing the Dragon anyway and taking the fall. Then uh, the next night, uh he, he he again was put in disadvantages uh positions uh, in the book. He wasn't booked strong. It's <laughs> the point this entire <laughs> yes. weekend. And now we find out why it looks like he's going to be gone.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So uh, there will be no more Alex Kozlov moving forward. I think he took the pin the next night at uh, New Year's Dash 2. So, um, you know, the guy was just taking finishers all over the place, taking pins all over the place. And according to the Observer, uh, New Japan will not be booking him moving forward, which we don't know where that leaves Romero. Hopefully a nice little singles run. Tons of speculation that he could be Bullet Club, which makes way too much sense. Um, But but we'll see. But, um, you know, it was funny because, you know – as little as a day ago, we were having conversations on Twitter with people about how, you know, this act, the Forever Hooligans Act, had sort of run its course. Yeah. And um, people were sort of tiring of the routine and Kozlov kind of holding Romero back a little bit. And it's not that you want a guy to lose his job. You definitely don't want the guy to lose his no, job. No, no. But look, I mean, the fact that I don't think this is the worst thing in the world. I don't think the junior tag division is 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 can be considered shallow anymore. Not when you have the Young Bucks and Red Dragon in the mix. Now, you know, you've got uh, uh, Taichi and El Desperado, who look like a, a fun little team. You still have the time splitters. Um, I wouldn't call it. The, look, there was a point in time where this division was the forever hooligans and the time splitters.
1: Yeah. Just facing each other. We, we talked facing about that last each other, show. facing each other for like nine straight on
2: every <laughs> show. And that's not the case anymore. Yeah. They added Young Bucks in the mix. They had a Red Dragon in the mix. I don't mind forever hooligans uh, you know, being removed from the mix. This isn't the worst thing in the world. Romero needed to be freshened up, and Kozlov, look, ever since he hurt his shoulder, he's he's gained a noticeable amount of weight. He clearly can't lift at this point because of the shoulder injury because he's, he's gotten pudgy, and uh, he was always a guy who was in excellent shape. Look, this might be good for him too. Go away. Get that shoulder healed up. Get back in the gym. Uh, do something a little different. Who knows? Maybe down the line he comes back. Maybe yeah. he, he goes and, and does something else for, for another company. You know, it's not the worst thing in the world. Look, it, roster turnover happens. People come and go. It just doesn't happen as much uh, in a promotion like New Japan as it does in some place like WWE. It's it's not the worst thing to reshuffle the deck. And uh, I, I don't think it's a I, I'm, I'm not torn up that the guy's gone. Let me just put it that way.
1: Yeah, and it was interesting, too, because when we're going through the book and, you know, we were doing the stats section of it and, and the issue ratings, which Josh Engelman did, and he did a great job with them of sort of – and if you've gotten the book and you got to that point, it's, it's essentially just a stat that we kind of came up with to rank guys. It's, it's, a, it's a little bit of average star rating, expected rating. There's a bunch of stuff that goes into it. But one name that kept popping up of a guy that just really good compared with, you know, a guy that really stood out amongst guys. I mean, the, the, the top ten, you kind of knew everybody that was in there. But Rocky Romero kept showing up at the top of a guy that's like, you know, compared to what he should be giving you, compared to what he should be doing, a guy that was really good, a guy that was really, really, really good, especially when he broke off into singles away from Kozlov. On the opposite end of that, Kozlov was in the bottom five, bottom ten of almost all those. Of you know, when he breaks away from Romero, his matches are no good. When when Romero breaks away from Kozlov, his matches are great. I mean, top ten great. So that that's a it's a very interesting thing that that sort of came up, and then the, now we're starting to see some kind of traction on that way. But that that was one you know prevailing thing, and I wrote about it in the analysis of that stats is that look, wow, Romero might be one of those guys that they don't even know what they have really.
2: But and I, you know and, and what that tells you is, and of course match ratings which are are, are highly subjective, but what it yeah, does, sure yeah, but what it does tell you is. Amongst people who are New Japan fans, uh, Romero over-delivers and Kozlov under-delivers. Right. So uh, – and, and clearly that hasn't fallen – I mean they they, 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 they they picked the wrong guy to stop booking is what we're getting at here. If you were going to break up the team and remove a foreigner from the mix, uh, they clearly made the right decision. So.
1: Right. All right, move on here. Next match was the six-man tag match that got a little a shade under six minutes here. It was Roshi Tenzan, Satoshi Kojima, and Tomiaka Hanma defeating the Bullet Club, which is Balak Fale, Jeff Jarrett, and Yujiro Takahashi, as well as a bunch of random people coming down to the ring. including <laughs> Karen Jarrett, Scott DeMora, and a beautiful little Asian woman that Yujiro Takahashi came out with. So. Yeah, as
2: we suspected in the preview, this was just a very short little match to give, Han- to give Hanma a nice little pop in the dome, and that's exactly what it ended up being. That was more than a nice little pop. That was a freaking.
1: <laughs> people loved yeah, so that. You can
2: only imagine what will happen if, if eventually they give him a big singles win.
1: So Yeah, that was huge. Um, and, that, and that was good. This is, I thought this was absolutely – I mean this was no good, but that was fine because it lasted six minutes. It was hard to – when I mentioned my ratings, it was hard to give it a bad rating because it wasn't bad. It was exactly what it should have been for six minutes. You know what I mean? Yeah, like,
2: I mean look. Look, when I do match ratings, you know, it's it's – this was a this was just a little two star match or whatever. But that doesn't mean that the match wasn't good. It's just you how much you, it, it's it's hard to be a lot better than that when it's a right. match that goes five minutes. So, you know, it is what it is. It was like it was like a raw match. You know what I mean? It was just a run of the mill. Uh, and that's all it needed to be at this portion of the show. You, you know, I, I thought at this point in the show is when I realized, you know what? they're not going to have any timing issues because they're getting in and out. As guys are leaving the ring from one match, the other guys are coming, guys are coming out. Coming right? in, yes. They're not wasting any time.
1: Uh, and, and that's what I mentioned being the big part. And that was always in the lead up here. As I said, with the entrances, they can cut so much off of that. And people are sort of saying, ah, it's not the same if they don't have the big entrances and all that sort of stuff. Whatever, man. I mean, you, if you really just have, if you have guy out, guy in, you're good. I mean, that cuts off
2: rich. The bottom line is this. If, if the matches are good, People don't care about the fancy.
1: Exactly. Did you care that the Time Sliders didn't come out in a DeLorean when they had a really good match? Does,
2: does it matter to you that Kota yeah.
1: Ibushi didn't have a fancy entrance or did you love the fucking match? Exactly. So that, that was the big part that I said is, is look, the easy way that they can do, and I'm sure they said it too, is look at, guys, fuck it. I know it's really fun to have these big entrances, but when the match is done, just get ready to go and get out there. I mean, you you can cut so much time now off. Now, let me tell you something. You if, just this, get and go. if this card wasn't great, there'd be a lot of people complaining about the
2: lack of entrances. Yeah. Oh, I get it. You don't notice it because the card. Because the match,
1: everything was great. Yeah.
2: So now look, I would have liked to have them. Look, they could have cut off the air guitar. There's a half hour of post-match stuff in the main event that you could have done for the live crowd, but didn't necessarily have to show on the pay-per-view. In other words... You could have ended the four hour broadcast with Tanahashi celebrating Mm -hmm. on the second turnbuckle, and then Tanahashi could have done all the air guitar
1: stuff for the live crowd for another hour if he wanted to. You know what I mean? Yeah, I I feel like that could have just been more that, you know, they timed this out and they wanted to just be safe, and then they got to the last few matches and went, okay, you know, we have a little bit extra time, so whatever. That's what I thought, is I don't want to, you don't want to go up against it. At that, you don't want to find out when the main event's starting that okay, look, we have X time, like we only have this. I was perfectly okay with just giving them the whole hour and just saying whatever. Yeah. You know, you know what I mean. I'm perfectly okay with that if it beats, you know, Kodobushi coming out with five dancers or something. You know what I mean? Uh, like yeah, it, to me, I, yeah. I, I don't, I, and I'm never. I, I like entrance themes. I don't give a shit what you do in your entrance. People freak out. The about entrances, Princeton. listen, the entrances were great. I don't they were great last year. There's no. Yeah, I, I don't. To me, it doesn't matter. I don't care. To me, They're fine. to me, it
2: added to the show last year. But I did. But at the same time, I didn't miss them this year. It right. that, it's that's... something that's a nice. It's like an icing on the cake. It's not something I need, um, you know, and not if the matches are going to be this good. So but anyway, by this point in the show, you you saw the timing, which was sort of a back of your head
1: concern coming in was not going to be a concern, and they really— they Yeah, really- especially this next match is, I, I think, where I got it, too, is a, a shade under five minutes here, which with uh, the, the TDMK, uh, Mikey Nichols, and uh, Fuji, Haste, and Yano defeating Suzuki gun Davey Boy Smith, Archer, Shelton Benjamin, and Nizuka. This one was five—you know, a shade under five. Everybody got in the ring right away, and that's when I said, okay, we're good. You know, this is—they knocked I, can out— I, Can they- I
2: go back to the other match real quick? Yeah, yeah, no one problem. thing I wanted to mention with Hanma, and I saw, I saw some people saying, well, if he was just going to win a six-man, why couldn't he have just won a match in the G1? Can you stop and think for one second how stupid that sounds? Well, people are, are – what was a bigger win? Picking up a pin in the Tokyo Dome in front of 36,000 people to that enormous pop or pinning Shelton Benjamin on the last night of the G1 show? Give me a fucking break. It's not even comparable. This was and it's and, and it, it's Hanma. He's over no matter what. It doesn't it's, it's it doesn't not, matter to me. Like, no, I'm gonna keep banging this drum, I still say he shouldn't have won in the G one. And this I don't care the way. This proves it, it. This proves it. <laughs> because now you had now you had this great Tokyo Dome moment of Hanma getting a pin. And it's still not a singles pin. They still have that in their back pocket. Right. You can still save that for later. You can still put him in a singles program, and he could still get a big singles win down the line. Because remember, this is still just a tag win. It's not the same level. But if he would have beaten Shelton Benjamin, of all people, on the last night of the G1 in a nothing match that nobody cares about, okay, that would have taken away from this, this great moment in the Tokyo Dome. So, I, so I'm sorry. This didn't disprove my stance on that. This backs up my stance on that. You got a great moment in the Tokyo Dome out of it instead of wasting it on Shelton Benjamin. Give me a break in a match no one gave a shit about. Uh, 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 come on. Not even compare. Anyway, let's move on.
1: <laughs> I couldn't possibly care enough. To... I was over regardless of what he does. I To me, whatever. It, 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 it doesn't matter to me whatsoever. So it was a good moment. Everybody loved it. Great moment. Good happy stuff. Yeah. To your point, yeah, it might have lost impact had he just won a random G1. I think this, this was... uh, especially i was sort of i I got people into this i I got people into hanma at the bar because i said this guy never wins that headbutt never hits you know that i i knew what was going on and these people had just watched it for the first time and they sort of said hey what's what's the deal with this guy that looks you know wearing the hulkamania trunks or whatever and i said okay this guy never ever wins ever and he never hits the headbutt he hits it probably like five percent of the time that he tries it or whatever so he's you know hitting it a bunch of times missing it and they go okay i see i see and i go he's a jobber but everybody loves him and and they they could hear the crowd going nuts and then when he won everybody went holy shit shit is that a big deal and I said yeah it's a pretty big deal like it's a very I mean the guy doesn't win so yeah to, him winning is, is a big deal to, so. to
2: Ross and Stryker's credit they did nail the nuance in that yes they, they, they were they understood they, they were hammering home the fact that he never hits the headbutt and that he never wins and they, they they nailed the theme of that match to a T. they did get it right in that match
1: all right. Uh, as mentioned a little bit over five minutes here was the uh, the Noah team defeating Suzuki Gun. Uh, as I said, this was the point when I realized, okay, the timing's okay because we had gotten that six man out of the way, we gotten the eight man out of the way. Everybody got entrances. Everybody was good. Everybody was in the ring, and they were over in you know less than twenty minutes total. So you, you knew you were good here. Uh, this match again, it was it was like the previous one. I it was hard to really give it a great rating because it was just what it was in five minutes, but. Given what they had, it was good. And, and I saw a lot of storylines in this one. That's what I sort of looked at. And the biggest thing I focused on is KES uh, and, and Nichols and Haste. That match needs to happen somewhere, somewhere in Japan. I don't care. And it looks like it's going to, which is great.
2: Yeah, that's going to be, you know, part of the NOAA New Japan thing moving forward. And yeah, you're right. I mean, this was another match that didn't, that rightfully did not get any time. Just didn't need to get any time. No, it shouldn't all, have gotten. All you needed to have happen in the other match was everybody tag in and Hanma get the pin. And all you and, and for Jarrett to miss the guitar shot. OK, and all you needed to happen in this match was for everybody to tag in and for the Noah guys to to shine in the end. And that, and that's what they accomplished here, too. Um, it, it's, uh, you know, Nichols and Hayes uh, got a couple big spots in and they set up. Mar- you knew Marafuji was going to get the pin because he's the J C champion. You know, they were going to give him the pin and they were going to protect him. And that's exactly how it played out. And you knew it was either going to be uh, Azuka or Benjamin taking the fall, and it ended up being Azuka. And this match accomplished exactly what it needed to accomplish. It got yep. it got the Noah guys uh, over. It got them a chance to shine. And and there's a ton of buzz now. People are way into uh, to T, uh, to TMDK. Uh, so that that was the whole point of this. So and and people are hyped for the match that you you just talked about, the Kes versus TMDK series, yep. which hopefully I'd like to see these guys wrestle three or four times over the course of the year. Um, and, and, and and give them a nice extended feud that they can build on where they can build some match to match psychology and see what they can do because um, KES did nothing in 2014. I mean, they might as well have not even been around. I mean, they did nothing with those guys. And TMDK is a team that a lot of people don't you know bother with NOAA and it, that's, it's a team that I think when people get exposed to them, they're gonna see that, that they're legitimately a great team. So you're right. And um, I'm excited about the Noah and New Japan stuff that's that's coming down the road too.
1: Uh, the highlight of, of this match for me was uh, Lance Archer's chokeslam, which was just the, the if you haven't seen it, the, the best show, it's the best choke slam and ever. Give, and give haste, a lot of- ever. Give haste-, haste got it. He said, you know what? Hey, <laughs> I'm jumping to the fucking rafters for this one. Throw me down as hard as you want. I'm going to go as high as I mean, that just unbelievable height, unbelievable impact like they knew it, too. You could tell Archer just knew that it was fucking perfect. When he did it, it too, that was so good. You knew he was gonna get something in in this five-minute match. Oh yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. But um, yeah. The, the only problem with that, and that was an incredible spot. Uh It's the only thing memorable about this match. The only thing about that is now when these teams face each other, they're gonna have to do that every match. You know they're gonna have to do that spot now yeah, every right. match. You
1: can't just have a normal choke slam now.
2: No, he's got it. They have to match that choke slam, and that's a dangerous spot.
1: Yeah, that was—I mean—Hayes left himself out. <laughs> he
2: was—he—he t- he he, was twelve feet in the air.
1: I mean, there was a lot of trust there in 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 Archer to to. And just not even trust of Archer, just trust of me falling in the right way. I mean, like, like you're way up there. Like, you can easily flip over uh, or, or do something. Yeah, it was crazy. It was one of the
2: highest chokes lands I've ever seen in my I don't know if I've ever seen it. Easily land. the highest. Easily the highest with I've that ever. With that seen. kind of height. I mean, that was just ridiculous.
1: He came down with it height relative to the guy throwing it. Like, you know, sometimes an Undertaker, a big show, whatever, but never where the guy doing it launched. You know, Case was a whole body length uh, <laughs> above Archer. There's, like, a great, it just un- there's a great still shot. On, oh, uh, yeah, yeah. on
2: Lance Archer's uh, Twitter feed. It's probably on his Instagram, too. But there's a great... Well, his photos are at Archer's eyes.
1: Like, that's how ridiculous it's, it is. It like... There's a
2: great... Of him at the peak of, of height. Yeah. People need to check that out. He got... Inc- Haste got incredible height on that thing. But, uh but yeah, and I think Haste, moving forward, I mean, that guy's got star potential written all over him. So, um, you know, no disrespect to Nichols, but, you know, Nichols is clearly the Genetti here. I mean, there's no question. And, uh, you know, when the right when haste gets put in the right situation and the right promotion and the right people get the right sets of eyes on him. I mean, the sky's the limit for that guy. I mean, uh, he's just he's got it all.
1: All right. Moving on here. We had uh, Minoru Suzuki and Sakuraba. And this was, of course, the singles match that you could only win by submission or knockout. Uh, this little under 10 minutes, but I really, really enjoyed this. This was, you know, we, we had sort of talked about, we were most nervous about this match. It could go either way. It could either be really, really good or just monumentally awful. And I think it was great. And I think it was only enhanced. I thought when I watched it the second time with Ross and striker, who did a really good job of putting it over, putting over the importance. And you could tell this was when Ross started finally getting comfortable with sort of the pacing of new Japan and the, and these two guys in particular, I think he really enjoyed watching.
2: Well, this match, first of all, when this match ended, there was only an hour and 5 minutes. They were only an hour and 5 <laughs> minutes into the show. So, they had 3 hours for 6 matches. At that point, everybody relaxed and said any all these matches are going to have all the time that they need because you yeah. got 3 hours to do 6 matches. So, you know, the pacing was just excellent and early going. I agree with you on your Ross point. Ross was just it, it, these matches with a million guys running around, he has enough trouble remembering who each one of them are to begin with. Uh, let alone the pronunciations, all the fast in and out action. Striker really had to carry him through those first three matches. And this match was tailor made for Ross because of the pace. And you're right. This is when he settled in. And I think I like this match a lot better than you did. Yeah, I really liked it, but I gave it two and a half. you guys were crazy. I, <laughs> it. I, I think two and a half is crazy low. I think Meltzer's four and a half or whatever is
1: crazy high. Somewhere between there. Yeah. But I had it at three and three quarter or three and a half or something. So um, I enjoyed it more. I it's one of those ones where, you know, you wish you can kind of go back and change because I initially put it two and a half. And then I watched it the next day again with Ross and Stryker and really kind of focused on it, watching it at the bar or whatever. And I enjoyed it probably a lot more. I'd probably go three and a quarter if I had to re-rate it. But but I went two and a half in the moment. So this is
2: interesting. So this was a match that for you was enhanced by Ross. Yes,
1: I think so, because it was really when I'm watching it and listening to it, you could tell Ross was super invested in it. and it was like those old times when Ross was just really into a match and really did a great job of sort of getting you excited about each spot. And also it was enhanced by being in the crowd with people. So those slaps, every time they were just slapping each other like hard as hell, everybody was just like oohing and on ah or whatever. Well, you don't get that when I'm just sitting by myself. And I've seen these guys a number of times. I've seen Sakuraba. It's not that big of a deal to me. You know what I mean? But watching it with other people. And listen, I thought Ross really did enhance this match because I thought he took it. He made it seem like a bigger deal. I went in going, eh, whatever. It's these guys. He seemed like it was a big deal. He, He presented it as a big deal. And the people I was there with also felt like it was a big deal because of Ross in that way. So that sort of helped me enjoyed a little bit more that second viewing when I watched it and just focusing a little bit more on on the nuances of it as well. So
2: for you, it was a match you didn't care about watching it live, but then, you know, Ross helped you get into
1: I won't say I didn't care. I just didn't, I don't know if I liked it as much as others, but then watching it the next time I said, ah, you know, I really do like this match. It was sort of, it wasn't bad the first time. And then I said, ah, this is actually pretty good. The second time I watched it. Well, it exceeded
2: my expectations. Mostly because I'm glad they didn't do a dry, you know what I mean? The, the dry, uh, you know, work, shoot, bullshit. They didn't they didn't go that route. It was more, it was leaned closer to a pro wrestling match, which is what I think what it was they were smart to do. They really could have lost the dome crowd if they attempted something that was truly in the UWFI spirit. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got you. And I would have hated that personally. Even if they didn't, even if I, my instincts are wrong and the live crowd would have eaten that up, I would have hated it. Cause I'm not. I was never into that. I know it now. I don't want to see it. I want nothing to do with it. Um, I like my pro wrestling to be pro wrestling. You know, I like it to have uh, flashy high spots and to be pro wrestling. You know what I mean? Now, to me, this so for that reason it exceeded my expectations. A lot of people didn't like the spot out on the ramp, but you know that was to you know to establish the Suzuki arm injury. And yeah, they could have done that in the ring, but they tried something a little different. From there, I thought the match was excellent. I thought. Suzuki fighting with one arm where he was only able to do the slaps with his right arm, with the injured yeah. left arm. And uh, and Suzuki just, just screaming at Sakuraba. I mean, that stuff's right up my alley. And, um, you know, Sakuraba putting on the cross arm breaker, but Suzuki was too close to the ropes and Suzuki managed to get the rope break. And um, I don't know. I thought, you know, the psychology here was strong. And I thought they did. They managed to tell. A half hour story in nine minutes.
1: Yeah, I was shocked when it when when this was over and I, I the next day when, you know, when you were putting your review on and I was editing it and I went onto Wikipedia just to kind of see, um, you, you know, the, the the match time. And I went 921. Really? I could have swore it was like 15 minutes. That, that is one of the better, you know, 10 minute matches I've seen in a long. I mean, just especially I mean, like you said, the story of it. The story of it in under 10 minutes. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, how do you I mean, that 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 was a great storytelling. Like you're saying, I mean, there's, there's no other way to play. There it. isn't. It gives Suzuki a lot
2: of credit. OK, yeah. the guy's a genius. Um, I'm not giving Sakuraba any credit because he's been so unmotivated at times as a pro wrestler that I, I, I something tells me this was all Suzuki. If someone can show me proof that otherwise I'll apologize to Sakuraba. But I know that Suzuki's a wrestling genius. And I've seen him have uh, genius performances in the past, so I'm giving him credit for this. They packed a 30-minute story into nine minutes, and uh, it didn't feel rushed at all. That's amazing. And this way exceeded my expectations. This is, I'm not going to say it was as good as it could have been. I'm not going to say that. But it, it, it to me, it was still a pretty excellent match. I enjoyed it.
1: Certainly. All right, moving on. Now we have uh, Makabe, Togi Makabe versus Tomohiro Isha is for the never open weight title. This uh, one went a little bit over 12 minutes. Um, you gave it a four, I gave it a four. Jason Felix gave it a four, and Fujio Armbar gave it a four. So it was exactly a four. The average, right on the money, four star And
2: again, I think Dave Meltz, I think Meltzer overrated it. Meltzer gave it four and a half. Four and a half, half is pretty insane. It does yeah, not, that, that was not a four and a half star
1: match. That's, that's, I don't like to. I mean, it's star ratings are star ratings. I don't like being one that kind of, but that. You know, yeah, but
2: whatever. Yeah, but here's the thing, though. When you're talking about a four and a half star match, now you're talking about a match of your year contender. Exactly.
1: And this was nowhere near. That wasn't in that You year. could
2: say, all right, it's a half a star. But there's a big difference between... There's a bigger difference between four and four and a half than there is between two and two and a half. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. Because once you start getting into the territory of like four and a half stars, you're telling me it's a match to your contender. In no way, shape, or form was this a match to your contender. And that's kind of like when I'm doing my star ratings, that's kind of how I do it. When I, I, I absorbed a match, I take it in, and I say to myself, well, you know, that was a really good match, but it wasn't really match at a year level so it's probably around four four and a quarter three and three quarter you know what i mean when i feel something could be match at a year level or fringe match at a year level that's when i start thinking about four and a quarter four and a half anything four and three quarter or above is obviously one of the great matches you're ever going to see so there's no way this was a four and a half i think that's way overrating it it's funny how we all had the same rating and then you know this is why i reviewed the show blind i didn't want to be influenced by other people not for this show Sometimes I'll, you know, be on Twitter fucking around while the show's on because who really cares about some random power struggle or best in the Super Junior final? It's just a dumb star rating anyway. But for this show, I really wanted to compare – more for myself, just compare my thoughts to everybody else's blind without being influenced by anything. So it's interesting that we all came out with the same rating for this one. But yeah. yeah. It was exactly what I thought it was going to be, two guys beating the shit out of each other, a little sloppy. But a match like this can be sloppy. You expect a match like this to be sloppy. This isn't going to have uh, picture perfect, fluid work, uh, you know, like a like a Tanahashi or a Christopher Daniels or somebody like that who who's you know fluid in their movements and fluid in their style. That's not what this was going to be. This was going to be two bulls beating the living shit out of each other, and it was going to get a little sloppy. So I
1: didn't mind the sloppiness of it, only because of the people who we were dealing with and who was involved. Yeah, I think. Yeah, and I think the inherent sloppiness—it—that's—I it, kind of have an issue with that term in, in some sense because I think this guy's—I don't think any of it was unintentional. You know what I mean? I really don't think that it was meant to be like, oh, he slipped off. Like I think these guys went in there with the the intent of it looking grimy and it looking like, you, you know, Makabe had, you know, Ishii had sli- slipped off his. Because then this, then, then, you know, if we're saying that this was sloppy, then basically every Ishii match is a giant slop fest because. This happens all the time. I I don't, I mean, it's beyond that point, I think, where where you can, you know what I'm saying? I think what you're saying is, here's what I think you're trying to say.
2: You're you're not saying that they were intentionally being sloppy to make the match look sloppy. What you're saying is they had no intention of not being sloppy. In other words, they were going to go out there and clobber each other. And if it happened to come off sloppy, so so be it. That's right. Exactly. I think that's what you're trying to say.
1: To an extent, yeah. And as well, like, I mean, the Makabe doing the, with Ichi at the top row, I mean, he kind of slipped off his shoulders, but I've seen that spot a bunch of times. It's not like, you know, and I, I don't think anybody thought of it as being, uh, you, you know, oh, we missed that move or whatever. Like, you know, even the people I was with, nobody said, oh, wow, you know, what happened there or whatever, you know, you know uh, why, you know, oh, God, they you know, they messed up here everybody sort of got the idea that, wow, these are just two bulls that are beating the hell out of each other. And it, it's of anything that's almost feels like a real fight or whatever. It was like this, you know, these guys, it makes sense that these guys will kind of fall off of each other or, or, you know, yeah, that, that's where I go with it. I, I, I think sloppiness when you're talking about a Makabe Ishii is, is, is a dangerous kind of slippery slope. I think it
2: helps. Them. Honestly, I think that's, right. that's what you want out of these guys. Now, look, this was probably the worst Ishii singles match in a long time, but you're talking about a guy who might've been the wrestler of the year last year. So you know, a guy goes out there and puts up a four-star match. It's kind of like Tanahashi and Okada in the Dome a couple years ago. You know what I mean? It's like this is this guy at the bottom level. This is crazy. It was still an excellent match. I I had no problem with the sloppiness part of it. That chop to the to the to the throat. Oh God. The headbutts. You know, look. I don't. I don't want to watch a watch an entire card of this up and down the card. I don't mind a match like this on my card, though. I you can throw a match like this on on any card you want, and and I'll sit there and watch it. You know, I did, this was, I enjoyed it. I always enjoyed this style of match. It, this was nowhere close to the Ishi Goto match, but, um, you know, but Makabe is no Goto, so you know, there's that too. You know, and they they were of similar length. I'm pretty sure Ishi and Goto went around 12 or 13 minutes, right? So you know, it was all right. It it it, it, it this was this was the signal. To where the car, We were getting into the business end of the card.
1: Yeah. Uh, what do you think about the title change here with Makabe winning the Never? Open I don't League
2: mind title? it because it's the Never title, and you you can trade that thing back and forth, and that's fine. And um, you know, I I don't mind that at all. I expect Ishii will win it back. I don't know if he'll win it back, you know, right back at New Beginning necessarily. Or here's the thing: maybe he doesn't win it back,
1: and over the course of the year, they move him up. Right. That that's a possibility, or he takes some time off, because, which would be probably good too. That's
2: not going to happen. I see people saying that. I don't really. I honestly. Don't think she it's
1: should, happening. but <laughs>
2: is, yeah. But th- this is Japan. They don't really
1: need I that. know, I know, I know. And you know that mean, shoulder, man. You could tell that's still hurting him. Only well, he gives a shit. I know,
2: I know. <laughs> it's. I know. I mean, I'd like to see him take time off too, but I mean, I don't. I don't know. I,
1: yeah.
2: And you know, it wouldn't be the worst thing if he did. Listen, if at New Beginning, Makabe beats him, and he does go away and get a surgery and rest up, and then comes back for, like, G1 or something. Yeah, it becomes back like strong and G1. And then you can and push him from there because people forgot right, exactly. about the losses. Right. You know? but That's what I would do, but I know.
1: <laughs> I know. It's, it's,
2: but, yeah, this this thing. could be an opportunity to, to elevate the guy. I don't know if they're going to go down that road, but this company is so deep with stars that you have a million different options. Yeah. I mean, there's so many different options. They, they elevated Ibushi, and we'll get to that. You still got the big three. And then you've got these guys bubbling under the surface, your Ishis, your Shibatas. You can flip the switch anytime you want on these guys because they're so over. Uh, look at Minoru Suzuki. They do nothing with him. They could flip the switch on Minoru Suzuki anytime they want. They can flip the switch on Ishii anytime they want. They can flip the switch on Shibata anytime they want. If they really wanted to get crazy, they could push Hanma. They have so many options, uh, including the big three. And I haven't even mentioned AJ Styles – who basically, at this point, is starting to get over to the point where you can put him with Ibushi as maybe he might have joined, you know, he might be on that level now. You yeah. have Naito, who, who, you know, always is, a, you, know, you could always do something with it. If Goto who they could they just uh, go all the way though they've tried that before and they just maybe he will never maybe I shouldn't throw him in there he just never seems to catch him.
1: Yeah I, I would He might probably be put an upper
2: mid carder like, Yeah I'd, I'd put him know? there I think he's solidly there You know but. but I mean you know the other guy do you agree
1: that they could flip the switch on Ishii or Shibata at any time Absolutely Shibata for sure Ishii I, I yeah you could do Ishii oh, too God. I think easily. Shibata Yeah uh, no easily yeah, I think you could easily do Ishii, and and that's the people. That's another one. I mean, they, I think those two are ones that sort of casual fans or, or even hardcore fans alike look at them and go, "Man, I wish they did more with them." Or, "Oh, they, they really could do more and with you, them." They, and it's absolutely and true. You know they what?
2: And they can, and that's the thing. And then that's why I don't understand when people say, "Oh, New Japan, I, I don't have any headliners." You know, I got these same three guys, but then at the same time, they have so many guys on this roster where people say, "Why aren't they doing more with this guy?" That's a contradictory argument. There's no question. This, this this roster's full of guys that they don't push hard enough this roster is full of guys just waiting to break out so i i don't buy that argument at all this this is a deep roster you know where, where you got guys like ishii and Shimada where they they, they can easily push those guys and they, they 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 don't there's no room at the top yet for these guys so we'll see what happens with abushi and uh and styles but it seems like they're breaking into that pack now but anyway um so yeah we'll see what happens with ishii maybe this is where they do flip that switch with ishii we'll see yep and then Suzuki, who everyone always forgets about,
1: because he's, right, yeah, you can always give him a title yeah, shot.
2: Yeah, he's always fucking around with fucking uh,
1: Yano and shit. But yeah, but if next week he was a, if he main evented one of the New Beginnings, nobody would bat an he's eye. He's just as over <laughs> like, as anybody else on the roster. Right, Suzuki is just as over as anybody else on the roster. They have seven or eight
2: guys that they can put in main events. Mm-hmm. So this idea that this company isn't isn't flush with stars, that's crazy. Now, if you want to tell me they're not flush with young stars, I can buy that argument because they have a bunch of guys who are either. Right at the peak of of their prime, slightly past the peak of their prime, or approaching the peak of their prime. Okay? you re- And then there's a huge jump down to the young guys who are still in the young lion stage. Yeah. Okay? So that argument I could buy. But the fact that they don't have guys that they don't have enough stars right now, total bullshit. Because they could flip the switch. I just named seven or eight guys who are legitimate potential main eventers
1: all right moving on next we have the junior
2: i'm not done oh let me oh i thought you were done well the pause i I was done but i thought of something else okay okay how many companies historically have had that many guys that you can mix and match into the main events i mean you you go back listen no it's hard no one's comparing new japan right now to the fucking attitude era you go back to the attitude era you had stone cold the rock vince mcmahon
1: um uh, uh, <laughs> You're not gonna find men. No, no, you. That, that, I mean, Dude Love this, had a main this event. This is my yeah, point. Like,
2: Mick Foley. Yeah. Okay, you had a bunch of guys. Triple H. Triple H later, okay, later, towards later, the end of know, it. Okay, Yeah. you had guys. There's five guys right there who were legitimate draws. Um, you know, during that era, but that was also the most successful era in the history of wrestling. Okay, if people want to tell me that New Japan is light on stars, all right, fine, but you need to show me the territories or the companies that had more stars than they do and, at the current yeah. moment. And aside from the Attitude era of WWE, I'm not sure you can do that.
1: Yeah, the, the only the, another WWE one that comes to mind is that sort of 2002 to 2004ish range where they, they had they started bringing a lot of the WCW guys, you know, Shawn Michaels came back, Triple H was there. You started to elevate, you know, the Benoit's and the Angles and Lesnar and those sort of guys. The, those were fairly deep on the two brands. But
2: things were starting to go down at that point.
1: Exactly. Yeah, you had you had like about a year or so where it was a bunch of dudes and then guys started getting hurt and guys started going away and getting old and going, you know, you know, maybe like 2002 to like 2003 ish. But there's also weird periods there where you had like Triple H and Kane, you know, main eventing, you know, a bunch of pay-per-views in a row. So, yeah, it, it, it's tough. You would really have to do a big study. But I'd be interested to see yeah, what the you attitude kind of era.
2: And I'll give you another one. I'll give you all Japan. Because yeah. you had a comparable number of guys. You had Misawa, Kabashi, Kawada, uh, Taui, uh, Steve Williams. Uh, you, you know you had you had a comparable amount of guys, and they were more over than these guys are. So I'll give you that one too. So there are examples out there, but the, my, my point here is that there's not many. And this idea that they're not flush with – I mean even if you just talk about the big three, I mean Nakamura, how many more sales does Nakamura have to produce? Look what he did last year. He drew 30, 35,000 people to the dome, and he produced five sellouts on pay-per-view shows. Tanahashi just produced – Tanahashi and Okada just produced you – know, we just talked about it, the highest attendance in 13 years. Those three guys are legitimate stars. They're not as over as the All Japan guys were. They're not as over as the Attitude Era guys were. But aside from that, you're not going to find many places that had a, a, a larger group of stars than this, current, than this company does right now. That run is deep. they got eight guys they can flip the switch on at any time. Okay, now let's continue.
1: Okay, now I can go. Until all I right. think Kenny of something Omega. else and interrupt you again. Jesus, all right. <laughs> Junior Heavyweight Championship match. Kenny Omega defeating Taguchi. A little over 13 minutes here. Kenny Omega becomes the new champion, as we all kind of predicted and all kind of knew. That was no doubt there. Uh, thoughts on this match? It was kind of a polarizing match for for a, a, a number of reasons, but where where'd so you kind of, of go l- first? I'm going to go first uh, go because first. it kind of ties into the point I just made. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Okay.
2: You know I was very skeptical of the cleaner character. Yeah. I hated it. I, you know, hate's a strong word. I didn't like it. And I still firmly stand behind my belief that he should have worked that World Tag League tour and worked out the kinks of this of this gimmick. He's too over the top with it. That's always a danger with Kenny Omega. He tends to be – he can be over the top with things. He really needs to find his groove with the cleaner if he continues to present it the way he did on this show, I'm never going to like it. But here's the problem. Here's the dichotomy with that. He's so good in the ring. I mean, this guy is elite level in the ring and it, it just sucks because I really don't like this character in its current form. But my God, was he a fucking house of fire in this match? The way he took that bump when he went for, for the buckle bomb and Taguchi reversed it into a (laughs) Rana, the force that he hit that turnbuckle, OK, this guy bumps like a fucking maniac, which is perfect for a heel. And his offense is so crisp and precise. And it always has been. You know I'm a big fan of his work. And you came around on it yeah. after seeing especially that hot run he had in 2012 for the KO and D title and DDT, all those great matches those guys were having. Him, Ibushi, Generico, all those guys. OK, and that hot uh, All Japan Junior title run that he had having all those matches with, you know, Minoru Tanaka and, uh, and uh, Hiroshi Yamato and all those dudes. Yeah. I mean, he had a hell of a year, 2011, 2012. He was a top 10 worker in the world, in my opinion. And um, he just hasn't been put in a position to have those kinds of matches since. He was a house of fire in the ring during this match, but I hate the fucking character. It didn't work for me. When he wound up the chainsaw, I started to cringe. Now, luckily, he didn't do the PWG gimmick where he does the invisible chainsaw. That would have been the worst <laughs> That would have been the worst fucking thing you ever saw for that crowd in that dome if he would have done that. Instead, and this is why it wasn't as cringy as it couldn't been, okay, what was creative about this match was he sprayed Taguchi in the eyes with whatever that substance was.
1: We think it was that Apparently it was Oh, go ahead. Yeah. I, what I heard is it was like kind of a muscle, like our icy hot or whatever, like a muscle rub thing or whatever. Yeah, what they use That's after your. the match is over to like right.
2: cool down the injured body parts or whatever. So he sprays Teguchi in the eyes, and then I don't think I've ever seen a match where there was uh, – uh, where a body part got worked over and that body part were the eyeballs. <laughs> right. Because from that point forward, he was grinding his boot into Taguchi's eyes. He was doing like, uh, you know, he was doing like the face wash gimmick in the corner to the eyes. Then when he did the chainsaw thing, he was rubbing his forearm into Taguchi's eyes. So that made sense. And Taguchi basically worked the match blind for four or five minutes because they were doing eye work. I've never seen that <laughs> They did eye work. And I thought Taguchi was excellent in this match too. First of all, working blind, um, selling for Omega's offense. I thought uh, you know his 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 uh, his brief comebacks were all good. I thought he did a great job too. Yeah. And um, it's just it's I hate the character, can't stand it. I really think he needs to refine it. I think he needs to it the over the top theatrics don't work in in New Japan. It works in DDT. It works in PWG. It didn't work in ROH. If you remember.
1: Oh, you know more than oh, anyone. Oh, I remember. Oh, I know. Because you
2: didn't like him in RO. <laughs> I hated it. Yeah. Because that environment wasn't right for this shit, and neither's New Japan.
1: And the crowd turns on him too. That that was interesting too. And the Ring of Honor crowd just ate him alive because of it.
2: Now he can he can turn this cleaner thing. The look of the cleaner is great. I think he has a great look. He if he if he tones down the silliness and turns up the cockiness, Right. this is a fucking winner. The problem is I don't know if I trust him to do that. Because he's a goofy guy. He's a silly guy. Yeah, that's. He's a goofy, silly guy. But he really needs to turn down the silliness and turn up the cockiness. You know what needs to happen? I'm going to tell you what needs to happen. Minoru Suzuki needs to take this guy into a room, <laughs> put the tape on, and and explain to him what's going wrong with this thing, and explain right. to him what he needs to do with it.
1: He needs to have that that, that moment, like David. Like Smith he had Jr. with Boy Smith Jr. Yeah, where he's just like, "Listen, asshole. <laughs> like, here's how you work. Now like... you're
2: a big, strong guy. Big appeal." I'll never yeah. forget that, and I'll never forget Davy Boy's impression of that. Big appeal, big appeal. And that changed the trajectory of Davy Boy Smith Jr. Yeah. He needs to take this guy in a room, maybe scare the life out of him first. <laughs> maybe, you know. And, it, and explain to him what he's doing wrong.
1: I think being in a room alone with Moro Suzuki would scare you regardless. I don't think he has to do anything more than lock the door behind him. I so mean, that... he has the potential to scare the living daylights. Out
2: of anyone, but from what I understand, he's the greatest guy in the world. So, But you know, once he locks that door, then, then how, you got to be, right? you know, you might shit your pants a little if he locks the door behind you. But if he turns up the cockiness, turns down the hackiness of it, I, I, I think it can work. But anyway, bell to bell. I enjoyed the match. I, did, I I don't know. Dave didn't give this one over four, did he? No, this was not one of the
1: ones he gave. No, no, I think I gave it three and a half or something like that. You gave it three and a quarter. I gave it three. Uh, Jason Felix gave it one. <laughs> and uh, Fujiwara Armbar gave it three and a quarter. Now, here's well, the thing. So. There
2: were a lot of people like Jason Felix who fucking hated it because they didn't, yeah. they didn't like the antics of Omega. The work, I thought, was stellar. Now, here's the thing I want to say about Kenny Omega. The match that everybody just saw Kota Ibushi have with Shinsuke Nakamura. In that semi-main event, Kenny Omega is 1,000% capable of performances like that. Yeah. I have zero doubt. He, I've seen him. I've seen him do it with Ibushi, with other people. Kenny Omega's capable of that. This is a guy. Let me tell you something. People aren't going to like this. People like Jason Felix. Other people who didn't like it, uh, the match, or didn't like his antics. I think they got plans for this guy. I think they know what they have in this guy. I don't think that they would have brought him in, and and jumps are rare in Japan. You don't see guys jump in promotions as as frequently as you do in the United States back when there were promotions to jump to. You don't see much anymore, there's nowhere for anybody to go. But you know what I mean. It's not as frequent in Japan. I think they've got plans for this guy. Um, I think it'll be a slow burn. I think he'll slowly move. Let me tell you something. This guy, for people who don't know a lot about Kenny Omega, trust me, if you've ever trusted my opinion before, he is fully capable of producing what you saw Kota Obushi produce against Nakamura that night. Do not sleep on this guy. Even if you hate this character, do not sleep. This guy is an elite worker. Elite. Elite. Not good, not great. This guy's elite. He's very good. Do not sleep
1: on I, him. I particularly like the, the the ending sequence and it was that Snap German. It was, it was, as you mentioned, there was that Hurricane Rana reversal or the, the you know, the reversal into the Hurricane Rana. Into the in the corner that was incredible. And then those last like three or four moves, I mean Omega hit that Snap German. God, that was good. That's that was just – everybody was blown away. Everybody that I saw it with, and the first time I saw it, and even the second time, I even was like, holy shit. Like, just the the force, the speed, the everything. I mean, that's, that's where you say – you're mentioning that he's capable of that. You watch that moment, you go, this is – I mean, you have to be something special to do what he did when he did it. I mean, that it, it's possible. He can do that. That snap German, yeah, was, German was arguably the spot of the night on a card that had
2: two five-star matches. Think about that. Yeah, I agree. Think about that. You could argue that was the best spot of the night on a card that had two five star matches. That's crazy. And it was a reversal of a spot that uh, Taguchi had done earlier in the match. So, a little psychology there, too, for you guys who were into that. Okay. Yeah, I, I thought Taguchi uh, got him well, with the fucking. Is it Cameron or Naomi? Who's the one with the big butt? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I think they both have pretty – No, no. Um, one with the with really
2: big butt. The one married to uh, – is... That's
1: Naomi. Naomi is the, the big
2: one. Yeah, Trinity. She, she does yeah. the butt bump. Yep. Taguchi did that butt bump early in the match. He tried it again late, and Omega caught him around the waist and just snapped the fuck out of him with that. And listen, his offense is always picture perfect, and he has creative offense, and he has unique offense. People probably think I'm trying to oversell, but I, I'm telling you, this guy's good. I, I would have told you the same thing before the match. Yeah. Anyway.
1: Uh, no, but I thought I thought Toguchi in in general. I mean, he's a guy that I'm I'm sort of always sort of on the fence with. And, and Omega, did you like him here? I loved him here. I thought he was great. I thought this was the best performance I have seen Toguchi in in probably man I, don't, I, I can't remember that last time it might be back to the Devitt days I really don't think I mean I think overall I even mean, his psychology was on point he didn't kind of lull him. you know sometimes he'll lull me to sleep and he'll do certain stuff that's just kind of boring I thought he was on point here and I don't know if it was you know I don't know if it was simply Omega and him or whatever but there was just something there where I was just like man he's got it and you mentioned the psychology of the butt bump uh, the psychology of a few different things he did throughout the match you know th- th- he, the didn't, eye he didn't worked, he just, rich.
2: they worked the eye yeah, right.
1: I mean he didn't, he didn't overdo the Girl. The Guerrero tribute, three amigos. It was just kind of everything he did was so much more fluid than I remember him being in, in, in quite some time. I, I don't know. I really can't remember the last time I really enjoyed Taguchi as much as I did here. Who works but I really the
2: eyeball? Who does that? <laughs> and, and then, you know,
1: that had to be Omega, right? You know what? I That's Omega. And you
2: know what I thought was smart about this, too? There was all that young bucks interference early on. But then as soon as it backfired, it was done that yet. was
1: it. Yeah, and that I, I love I was gonna make a note of that too because that you know me that's my biggest thing with the Bullet Club is I'm fine if they're sort of in there and 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 my favorite Devon matches in his, his Bullet Club era was when the, the the Bullet Club would try to come in and something would get fucked up and they would just kind of be done and he would just kind of say hey I got you know go away I got it you know whatever I hate when it's just the constant interference I like the psychology of them trying it doesn't work and it's kind of over well they, you know it, okay here's do it on your own,
2: what yeah. happened was they, first they 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 interfered to break up an ankle lock they hopped up on the apron when he had the ankle lock on. And Taguchi went after him on the apron. When they tried to interfere a second time, Taguchi outsmarted them. They grabbed his leg when he was coming off the ropes. But he, he back body dropped Omega over the ropes and then did yeah. the devit flip dive. And that was it for the Bucks. Yeah, they're done. Yeah. So Omega ended up winning it on his own volition, which was important. Because while all those spots were going on, I was thinking to myself, if he wins this because of the Bullet Club, that's totally counterproductive to what they're trying to do with this character here. He shouldn't be a pussy heel who needs interference to win. He needs to be established as a guy who's legitimately cleaning up the division. If this was a North American promotion, I'd say the opposite because you want to get over the over-the-top heel bullshit. You know what I mean? But yeah. he needed to win this on his own to, to at least establish the character, to at least establish that uh, he's a legitimate uh, threat to win this. I agree. I thought that the, the psychology, the different psychological aspects of the matches, they really put together a really good match here. And I really like Taguchi here, too. And I think maybe, uh, you know, working with a creative guy like Omega really maybe motivated him, And he worked up to Omega's level here. So I I, I, I I agree with everything you're saying.
1: All right. And as you said, this was sort of the beginning of the, the business portion of the card. And we moved on to Hiroki Goto and Shibata. Uh, against the Bullet Club, Doc Gallows and Carl Anderson. This was for the IWGP Tag Team Championships. And this is one that I think I like more than everybody. But
2: I didn't like this as much as
1: most people. Yeah, I was I, I I'm way on the I, I gave it four and a quarter, you gave it three and a quarter, Jason Felix gave it two and a half. Uh Fujiwara Armbar gave it three and a quarter. I, I thought this was awesome. I don't know. I
2: I I don't know. Jason Felix really enjoyed Jason it. Felix was just get off my lawn. Tough all grader. Night
1: yeah, tough grader but, uh, all day.
2: Yeah, to be fair though, let's let's be fair here. He doesn't normally do uh, star ratings. He normally does exactly. that. Yeah, he
1: does out of tens. Yeah, he does the so. one
2: to ten gimmick. So you know you gotta take that into consideration. And
1: right. he gave Suzuki Sakura a four, and the rest of us kind of gave it a little bit less. So yeah,
2: but um, enjoy it. yeah. I mean, I, I listen. I I I haven't liked. We've talked about this a million times. I don't like any of the Anderson Gallows matches. I gave the lowest rating that I saw anywhere for their match yeah. at the World Tag Final. I think I gave that like. Oh, I enjoyed that match as well. I think I gave that like two and a quarter, and I saw people giving that like. You know, three and three quarter, almost four. I just can't get into. Listen, I I, obviously I liked it. I gave it like what I give it three and a half or something like
1: Uh, that? here. You give it three and a quarter
2: Three and a quarter. Look, I liked it. There's just something about these two teams. They never reached their potential for me. This was way too. I don't know what the word. Look, I. I don't know. You're putting me in a position to bash it because I gave it the lowest rating. But the,
1: but the fact is – The three and a quarter is still pretty solid. the fact yeah, is yeah. I
2: kind of liked it. So I don't – Yeah, no, no, no. So, so I, fuck it's, you, it's Rich. I don't, don't want to bash it.
1: How about no, that? No, it's me. It's, it's for me. It's for me to talk about why I enjoyed it so Go much. You know, I thought this this in particular was – and we've sort of mentioned forever that 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 Anderson and Gallows, that they've never kind of lived up to the potential. These two, they never quite did it. I thought this was one of the aha moments for Doc Gallows because I thought him in general – was he played the monster here the entire time. Guys, Shabada at every every turn when Shibata and Gota tried to get their stuff in gals would put it down they would do a double team maneuver he would break it up shibata would try this he'd break it up you know he tried the penalty kick and he'd, he'd cut him off before this was interesting for for a number of aspects is a shibata kind of plays the baby face in peril and and did a great job of it i thought just a really which is it's <laughs> i had people that were with and they were like ah but shibata's so much better just kicking the shit out of people and i was like i know but it's coming he's gonna kick the shit out of people eventually but they wanted it the whole time i agree but i thought that was kind of the fun of it is that watching him sort of what did you think? Did you think he played a pretty good sort of babyface in peril here? Because I thought he did.
2: I thought this was a Shibata the likes of which we've never seen. It was, mm-hmm. it was, it was fun. They it were, was interesting. It was good. They were like a, a they were like a, nineteen eighties Memphis tag team. They were just right <laughs> with like, you know, the false comebacks. Like you said, Doc Gallows kept cutting off the, the comebacks, and I mm-hmm. and I agree completely with your point, and I'm glad you made it because I forgot about it. This was the best Doc Gallows performance in New Japan.
1: Anderson was a non-factor for me the entire time. I was focused on Gallows. An- I don't know. What-
2: Anderson has been a non-factor for a year in these times. Yeah, it's
1: been kind of disappointing because the guy's capable of a lot. But this one I featured, and that's that's been an issue with the Guns and Gallows, that Anderson hasn't done much. It's all been on Gallows, and Gallows hasn't really risen to the occasion. I thought this time it was, I got it. You know, I'm a big dude. You know, like we talked about, we talked about the aha moment with a few of these guys where, where Davey Boy Smith Jr. had that, you know, a few years ago or, or you know, guy, we're talking about guys getting serious understanding. Hey, look, I'm a big ass dude. You know, that's what I'm going to do in this match. And and, and Goto is a, a thick guy, but he's not necessarily gigantic. And Shibata's is a kind of a small guy and Gallows is huge. You know, use that size. Use it. And he did. I thought this time was, per- I mean, I thought cutting them off at every turn was exactly what I was kind of looking. I, I I enjoyed the story of the match overall because you know, Shibata and Goto, everything they tried to do, every little fancy thing they tried to do, every double-team maneuver, it didn't matter. Gallows powered out of it and cut him off every single time until they finally got the flurry at the end and won. As you said, it's a Memphis. It was a, it was an 80s Memphis match. He, he, he The whole he, way through. Once with the double clothesline, he cut him off. Then yep.
2: later he hit the Gallows pole on one of them uh, when just when it looked like they were ready to come back. And Shibata was never really Shibata in this match. He never had a chance to. Goto was the face in peril for a big portion of it early. Yeah. Um, and, you know, this was another match that only went nine minutes, but had a 20 minute story. So from that perspective, you know, to give three and a quarter stars to a nine minute match, I mean, which was basically based around, you know, a baby face in peril tag. Match. I mean, that that's, you know, it, it was a good match. It was a good it was. Listen, it was the best match. These two teams have had together. I'll say that. How about that? I'll go with that. Yeah. And I admit I fully owe it, because I I just enjoyed it. I thought it, and and a lot of it was just sort of. I think you finally... I think you rated it right on the money because that seems to be the consensus around. Oh, okay. I mean, I haven't really seen. What, what did Dave do for that one? Oh no, he didn't give it over four. Okay. Because it wasn't on. Uh... I'm sorry, I got a text message.
1: Oh, the anonymous general manager has.
2: No, no, this uh, is what? this is from. This is from some random girl. Um. <laughs> well, read it. Come on. So I'm going to read it. All right. Hold on. <laughs> no, I'm joking, but yeah, yeah, go ahead. Uh, I'll read it. This is from the reason that the reason <laughs> that the reason I stopped in my tracks. I'm going to tell you why I stopped in my tracks. and You're going oh, to you're going to rip me, but it. who cares? Um, It's from the lovely Madison. OK, but okay. there's also the lovely Megan who I've been. Uh,
1: ah, So you got to you got to slow down. And... Every
2: time I get a text from one of these girls. <laughs> I have to stop in my tracks. Go wait. Oh, okay. Remember <laughs> which is which, <laughs> because you know I'm. You know I. I you know what I'm saying. Or I got some you. of the guys listening might know what I'm saying, but I have to make sure the tone of the conversations with each of these lovely ladies. Who yeah, have very Megan doesn't talk like Madison does. Yeah. It's it's a little different. I'm at different. They know a different Jolanda. <laughs> yes. They, I'm at I'm at a different stage of the game with each one of these ladies and they have very similar names. So what I really need to do in the
1: phone is one of them has got to be yes, yeah, so a nickname. Come up with a nickname. Yeah, next time. One of
2: them has so. to have a gimmick name because I can't, I'm going to fuck up. What's going to happen is Megan's going to text. It's going to, I'm going to be blurry eyed at two in the morning and I'm going to think it's Madison and I'm going to type something that I would say to Madison and it's not going to go. It's not going to get over with Megan. You know what I mean? So I, it's it's definitely it's, it's I'm gonna have heat with Megan if I type her something that I should be saying to Madison. So I really have to change one of them to like a gimmick name that that needs to happen and it needs to happen fast. And I need to put this phone
1: away because if I answer it while I'm talking to you and I'm not concentrating, you're gonna you're gonna give a Madison Madison. Who was it? It was Megan that, or no, it was Madison that. See, this is
2: hard. This is yeah. Crazy. <laughs> it was the lovely Madison who just sent me a very lovely text message. But I can't. I, I'm not. I got to put the phone away.
1: I did that when I was on. Uh, when I was on Match, I would get the emails or whatever, and there was a few that had the similar names, and I did it like twice. I think there was a uh, a Kaylee and like a uh, Carrie or something like that, and they definitely got me. I was like, "Oops." I think once I started the email with like, "Hey, Carrie," and then she was like, "I'm uh, Kelly," and I was like, "Oh." And it's right. over. You're dead. I was like, "Well, delete. All right. Well, <laughs> it's <like>, a <laughs> good ride." You know
2: that this Kaylee? That's a very popular name with girls of uh, a certain age, just Kaylee. Yeah, everyone names like their it. kid Kaylee these
1: days. I don't it's, like it one it's bit. crazy. I wouldn't have dated her anyway. I'm not dating a Kaylee. Come on, I think she was a Cubs fan too. So, oh, well, Cubs fan is that weird that I do that? I that's like the first thing I do. I, I mean, I, I, it's a huge part. Like, people make fun of me, but it's a huge part of my summer no, is watching white size no, games I, and going I, to white size games. I, and like,
2: I know where you're coming from. Remember, I told you, I think it was uh, a year or two ago. I had a thing going with this girl, and I found out she was a Cardinals fan, and I couldn't yeah, – I saw yeah, her a in a whole new light because I'm thinking to myself, if I'm sitting home on a July night and the Reds are four games behind the Cardinals, the last thing I need is, you know, this biatch walking through the door in a Cardinals t-shirt. the best
1: fans in the world and they're best fans yeah, in the world I mean, no
2: way. I'm not dealing with that. <laughs> so I stopped talking to her because it would have drove me nuts. So before I got attached, before I gave a crap about her, I just stopped, like, answering the phone, you know, and I didn't yeah. have to worry about her anymore, you know?
1: But it's it's only baseball though. I don't really care if you don't like basketball, whatever. If you you know like the Packers or whatever, I don't because I'm not you know I'm not a big. Even if it was a basketball team that maybe you know, I, and the Knicks might be tough, but but baseball to me, I mean that's just such a huge part of my summer. And it's going to games. You know, weekends are spent watching games. I watch every single game on TV. Like that's a huge deal to me. So if you're not you know a White Sox fan, I like like I even I don't even know if I could a girl that just would hate baseball. I don't know if I could do either. But, you know? but but the Cubs fan,
2: that's like the antithesis. of. Oh, God. I mean, no. Yeah, I can't do that. I can't blabbering on about Wrigley and you, you just you can't right. you can't deal with it. And it's the same thing. Like the last thing I need, like if Matt Holliday hits a walk off on Chapman in the ninth, then I got to go take this girl out and, and, and throw a burger down her throat. <laughs> You know, and pretend to, you know, hang out with a Cardinals fan after I just sat through that. I I need a couple hours to get over something like that. I'm not gonna sit there, you know, you know, with a girl who's a Cardinals. Fan. I could never do it, so I just stopped talking to her. But anyway, yeah. So, um, I've put the phone away, and I. Don't, okay. What, what what match were we talking about here?
1: All right. Well, so we we were done with uh, Goto and Shibata, uh, who are the new champions, by the way, and did their awesome, awesome pose, which is the greatest thing ever. What? It's so cute and adorable. It was very cool, man, sitting there with their, with their legs crossed and their arms folded, and uh, Shabat has got his little <laughs> shit-eating grin on, which is the best because it's, it's just like badass dude. that's just gonna kill you with these kicks, and then he's like, oh, "I've gotta do the pose," and like he's just got the the the, the geekiest little smile on his face. It's it's it's. A-
2: and this was another match where I think Ross really nailed the narrative of um, pounding home the idea that these are two guys who never win the big one, and uh, we've talked about that. People who have downloaded our 2014 uh, year in review. I wrote the Shibata passage there and I pounded that home, that fact home that, and we talked about it in the preview, you know, Godot obviously has the reputation as a choker, but Shibata has never won a thing until this match. Uh, so this was the first time for him to get gold around his waist. And I think Ross did a good job, uh, pounding home the idea that these guys, uh, could never win the big one and that they finally did. So there were a couple instances here where, uh, where Ross nailed it. And, and this was another, this was another one of those instances.
1: All right. And then we move on to Naito and AJ Styles. This one was, you know, we talked about it possibly being a sleeper, you know, possibly a match of the night contender and all that stuff. It obviously, even, even in the moment, even when the match was over, I didn't think it was, I thought, you know, Disappointed in the sense of my expectations, but still a really, really good match. And I thought the important story here was sort of the rebuild, uh, the continued rebuild, sort of of AJ Styles. And I thought this, you know, Naito had his moments in here, but this was all about AJ Styles, and this is all about him being a dominant force, you know, and especially you know hinting towards the Styles Clash, which, you know, it's it sucks that it, it took a man's you know neck getting broken, but man, is that finisher over now. Yeah, people were screaming when he when he put that on Naito in the corner. You could hear women and guys just screaming like, "No, no, don't! You're gonna kill him or whatever!" Like, as long as he doesn't actually hurt somebody else again, like I mean that that's he's got that made. People are gonna eat that out. of I mean, he he's got that now. I mean, people. Are generally scared, and the announcers you could hear were screaming about the Styles Clash. They mentioned Yoshita. I mean, it it, it is so over right now. Ross, too. Ross and Stryker, too. Yeah. Putting over the Styles
2: Clash. They did a great job here. And yeah, you're right. I loved this match, not because it was a great
1: match. It was a very good match, excellent match. But I love the story that was told here. It told a better story than it, it told a, the match itself, you know, stripping out the story, the match itself probably underdelivered, but the story just quadrupled what I could have even yeah, imagined that's why I, a Naito AJ Styles match could have had the story yeah,
2: and that's why I gave it four stars because yeah you know you, all that stuff matters you know and 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 they told a great story here and, and Styles got his revenge on Naito and and he decisively and and he beat him decisively and 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 clean and and Naito talk about we talked about Doc Gallows cutting off um Goto and Shibata at every turn Naito never got going in this match because no, every time he, he tried to, to get his offense going, Styles would cut him off. This is a decisive victory. They managed to work a match that was this match was so brilliant. They worked a match which was basically
1: a 15 minute squash match. It was a squash, yeah, and like, I think I wrote that in my little blurb is that this was a squash. I mean, this was AJ Styles squashing Naito. This was a
2: 15 minute squash, but Naito didn't come out of it looking like
1: a looking like a jabroni. No, because he tried. He kept trying, but it was like, damn it. I can't – you know, this Styles is just is just better than me. He's just it's, better than – I'm good, but he's better than me. That's it. You just – you right. nailed
2: it in so few words, and that's the best. Styles is just better than him, and that's what the message they got across. And as soon as it ended, I said, that's your next title challenger. They did a brilliant job setting up the next title challenger to whoever won because either guy made sense. It didn't. It didn't matter which guy, but he was going to be the next title challenger, and I fully expected him to come out and make the nose-to-nose challenge. They didn't go that route, but the next night at uh, New Year's Dash, he pinned Tanahashi in the in, yep. in the main event, and there you go. He's the next title challenger. He's over like a motherfucker now, and um, I think he's way more over than he was when they tried to push him the first time around. The fans, oh, it, it just, it took, night and day, absolutely, and you know. Well, compare the uh, compare the style. I mean, we talked about it when he first came in. He did the Styles question. Nobody knew what the hell it was. And not only that, you know what makes a big difference too is something that we talked about earlier on the show. No Bullet Club bullshit. He just beat this man right. decisively.
1: Yeah, I, mean, I I forgot he was even in the Bullet Club. He, in He he
2: beat one of the top babyface New Japan Army guys, and he and and he did it quite easily as easily
1: as you're going to beat a guy like that without having it be just yep, pure skill. And that, that was one of the issues when he first came in as a lot of the bowl club bullshit. And that's that's what we complained, And that's why we we're so adamant against him, you know, winning the title. And so adamant against, you know, that entire run, because it was all just bullshit the way he won. I mean, he, he would just kind of slip, you know, banana peel title wins, banana peel wins. This was not this was I'm better. I mean, like, I'm good. I'm ready to go and let, let You know, and that, I and want that the title. And, yeah, and
2: this combined with the G1 where he was the same way. Yeah. Now he's over. He's a made man, yeah. They should have never fucked around with that shit to begin with. Like, we complained about what, while it was happening. He should have been winning all of his matches like this. And they would have gotten him over a long time ago. And you know what? They might have had some people in that Yokohama arena. They, You know, they might have had more. Well, that was the show, right? Where they put him yeah, on that top. was the one that
1: was a uh, monumental failure. Yeah, the back to Yokohama arena. And that
2: was him, right? That was him in... Um um, I believe so.
1: No, I, Was it one of the New Beginnings? No, I th- no, no, no those beginning. are way he later. It came around in Invasion. Uh, yeah, I think it would have to be that back to Yokohama. I'd have to look it up real quick here. But, yeah, I'm almost positive. No, I, It's not like a book on uh, – Because that was
2: before G1. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't he didn't get over until G- – he started to get over in G1 because he just started wrestling guys and beating The Destruction
1: shows were later. I, I get those mixed up, the New Beginning and the Destruction. Uh, AJ Styles and Okada. Yep, that's the uh, the main event of the Yokohama Arena. Yeah, and they have filled the place, which – well, to be fair, the sub was also Nakamura and Daniel Grace. I
2: don't, so. don't want to hear it though, because <laughs> if uh, let me tell you something.
1: Yeah. They do that match. Yeah, they got 7,800. They got 7,800 there.
2: If they do so. that match now, they draw more than 7,800. Yeah. Styles is 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 over now because he's winning matches the way that these fans want to see guys win matches. So, and maybe they just wanted to protect Okada when he won the title by doing the loss that way. I can kind of see that, but it it slowed down the progress of getting Styles over. But this match, this first the G1, now this. Throw in the New Year's Dash pin over Tanahashi. Guys, it looks like this guy is really getting over now. It looks like him and Ibushi are now really stepping up to that next level. That's why I love this match. I thought it was brilliantly laid out, brilliant booking, set up the next challenger, got AJ over, didn't hurt Naito a bit. No, not at all. I mean, this is – it was perfect. I mean, you know, we're going to – it was perfect. I mean, the match just worked out perfectly.
1: All right, so then we move on to the final two matches of the night, which, uh, unless you've been living under a rock, you've probably heard a lot of people break these down, talk about them. Just unbelievable. We have Intercontinental title. We'll start with first, obviously. Uh, Shinsuke Nakamura, Kota Ibushi. I gave it five stars. You gave it five stars. Jason Felix gave it five stars. Fuji Armor gave it five stars. Dave Meltzer gave it five stars. It is one of <laughs> it's very rare, one of the most universally praised matches I can really ever remember. Even, I mean, everybody. I have not heard one person. Come I mean, a little minor stuff that people will mention. But even then, they still kind of no, But everybody yeah. loves so, the match. I mean, the, just universally praised. For me, the easiest five stars I've probably given to a match ever. I mean, I had no doubt. It was over, and I said, boom. I said, no, not even going to think about this for two seconds. This was masterful pro wrestling. This is everything you could possibly want. It ticked every single box. It, just perfect. I mean, the, the, the atmosphere, the match the the character build, the story within the match, the facial, it's, I, I, everything. I, there's nothing, there's zero in this match that I can even critique. It was uh, it was a
2: pretty good match. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, every, classic Joe Underself. Every, <laughs> everybody knows by this point how yeah. I, I don't know if there's how much great this match happen. was. I mean, and you're right. I mean, people who people who had never seen Nakamura before were just blown away by this guy's charisma and people who had never seen new Japan. the new the new viewers loved this fucking match the hardcore fans loved this match the grumpy ah new japan's not that good people loved this match everybody loved this match you're right it was it's just it's a this might be the most universal you'd probably have to go back i'm going to give you the match rich you ready tell me if you agree You'd have to go back to Cena Daniel Bryan at SummerSlam to find a match this
1: universally loved. Yeah. Did anybody dislike the senior, Cena? No, Daniel? I think everybody pretty much loved that one. Yeah, that, that would be... I'm trying to think of anything else in think between. Of, was... Think of every subset of
2: fan. You've got your casual wrestling fan who is represented here by the people who gave this a shot on Global Force, right? They loved both of those matches. You got your hardcore fan, uh, you know, like us, who consumes everything, we all love that match. You've got your grumpy PWO crowd who really badly don't want to like things, you know, those kind of fans. And they love the Dan- they love the Daniel Bryan Cena match and love it. They- you- I think that's the match you'd have to go back to. I can't think of
1: another. Yeah, AJ, this summer, the AJ um, Suzuki was was loved by a lot, but I don't know if it's as universally praised, uh, you know, a lot of people like Daniel Bryan, Triple H at WrestleMania. You and I were kind of on the fence. There was there was enough people on the fence where that's not a universal one or whatever. Yeah, I mean that's that's a good one. I I would almost go be, I would almost even go farther like you know Cena CM Punk at, at Money in the Bank, but I know there's some people who don't really like that as an overall match. Yeah, I, think those I mean this were all good. I, I didn't think of Suzuki styles. That's Yeah, that one was pretty but I don't think this one had the, the – the, I don't think that one had the scope. And I don't think
2: that one had people screaming five stars universally as soon as it was Right. But, but, but to be fair, it also didn't have – the casuals didn't watch that one.
1: It, that's what I and that's, That was the point I was going to make. It wasn't one that was being watched by that many people. A lot of people watched it because friend A said, hey, you have to watch this. This is a great match or whatever. And then, you, and then you're going – In the moment. You, I mean that yeah. match was over because, and our Twitter just exploded with like – Oh my god, this is incredible. Like you know what I mean? Like the second it was over, everybody that watched it universally agreed this is the fucking best. (laughs) You know, like this is this is incredible.
2: You're right. Suzuki AJ, a lot of people watched it because it got hype. And then you're going in with expectations. And that could either work positively or it could work negatively. For me, that always works negatively. Whenever I go into a match that had expectations, especially if I know the spoiler, I never like it as good as everybody else did. I'm a guy who needs to watch a match. I need to be in the moment. And be feeling the drama as it's happening. I like to yeah. lose myself in a match. Um, I'm not the kind of guy who critiques a match by, you know, you know, by 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 watching the nuts and bolts and deciding if the control segment was to my liking. That's not really. I'm more a guy who's into the drama and being in the moment of a match. So the spoiler hurts it for me. Um, I care about the other stuff too, but I care most about the drama and the excitement um, and the story that they're telling and you're right. You know, everyone got to watch this live, which probably helps this match in that regard. But as for the match itself, I I mean, I'm trying to think of something to be critical of, and I honest to God can't think of a single thing. I can't think of a single and the next match, which I gave, here's what's funny, Rich. This is weird. I gave both of these matches five stars, right? I have some critiques of the of the next match we're going to talk about. Agreed. I do too. But I liked it better. And that's what's weird. I have no. Crit- oh, I did not. Know. I have no critiques. I don't have a single critique of the Nakamura Abushi match, but I think I like Tanahashi Okada better. And and we're talking about two matches that I think are flaw, are essentially flawless. So you're splitting. You're splitting the splitting of a hair when I say this. But it's I I I can't think of a flaw in this match. Can you even come up with a flaw in this Nakamura Abushi match? I can't.
1: I mean the only one that I heard was from a few, you know, small, small segments of people and it was, you know, the Dylan Hales, you know, mentioned it that he he didn't like, you know, Ibushi smiling or whatever at a certain point. And and that was I mean, even that one where, like a what? bunch of people were like, ah, shut up. You know, you know you're what? just being an now, now, here's the like, thing, here's the thing. I know what he saw about.
2: He saw about the yeah. very end of the match where Ibushi does that last no sell and he has a smile on his face. Yeah. To me that added to me I loved it. No, I, I fucking loved to that me, part. But what, what's F, funny right? is that's the spot that is the spot where it went from four and three-quarter to five. Yeah, it was
1: my favorite spot in the match. That put the
2: match over as the greatest thing ever <laughs> I once know, I saw I that spot. So that's funny. But, you know, we always disagree with Dylan like that.
1: But that's that's about the only – I mean, honestly, and I'm being completely truthful of, of going on message boards. You know, we obviously have a ton of people on Twitter that are sending us stuff. The people who are following, New Japan, all that stuff. That was it. I mean, that, that was the only critique I heard. Not a single other thing. I mean, I watched it with people that have never watched – new japan before people that kind of knew it a little bit but needed a little bit of a primer and and nobody everybody it, it, the bar had a standing ovation like it was just silence but people clapped so the like, bar went ape shit for this oh it went ape shit yeah just just standing ovation for it just I, they, they couldn't believe it. it it just people that were the immediately it was over they were just like i need more of nakamura i need like what can i watch of them and i was like all right all right here you go look here like get this new japan world do you know do this. i mean just people just like Stunned, like they and, and, and these are a lot of people that come here were, were strictly WWE people that were just blown away by it. And it was just like, man, this is I've been, you know, and I tried to I tried to temper expectations. I said, that's that's about as good as it gets. Like, don't don't think every match is like this. I mean, this is really, really awesome stuff. Yeah. But still, I mean, like,
2: you're not you're not going to you're not going to turn on New Year's Dash and see anything close to what you're.
1: Seeing. Yeah. I try to say, like, listen, it, it, it this is as good as it gets. But I said, it's 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 as good as it gets, though. You just watch something that was special among everybody that watches everything i mean i'm a guy that watches as much as i can and everything i mean this is about as good as you're gonna get in a lot of ways i mean just just we don't have to break it down anymore than i think it does i mean go watch no, it the
2: only other thing i would add is um i really hesitate to call it a star making performance for abushi only from the perspective of i thought i think he's already a star i mean we're talking about a guy who has sold out sumo hall okay we're talking about a guy yeah. who's who's headlined big shows and 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 has been a draw already uh, for DDT so he was already a star and coming in and this was a superstar make this was a potential superstar making performance yes yeah. because this, I said this is the kind of performance that can push him into that echelon with Nakamori tanahasha and, mm-hmm. and, and 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 Okada
1: what I said and I, I didn't say a star making performance I said coming of age because I thought you've always had a the wrestler who's all, I've, I've enjoyed him for a while. He's taken that next step in the past few years to be just a really good wrestler, not just kind of a flippy do guy or whatever. You know, obviously he got bigger and, and, and he's now a heavyweight or whatever, but this was of a character. This is when it was finally like, dude, this guy can play. I mean, this guy can in the midst of a match, you know, work a story, work a character. I mean, this, it, to me, I, I didn't think he had that capacity in him. To do that, but then you sort of sensed a little bit through the match of what he was kind of doing here and what he was going to do, and that was just like, oh no, like oh man, and then he just did it the whole way through. The the you know the the cocky asshole, you know, and then that's I, I don't think that's necessarily him, and I don't think that's always going to be him, because I had people asking me, well, was he a heel, and I was like, no, nah, he's not really. I mean, in this match, he's acting like one, but not. really. I mean, he's really not. No, but- no
2: I, I don't even think. I think Nakamura was acting like a heel. One of my favorite spots in this match is when, okay. Nakamura is kicking abushi in the head, playing off of the concussion. And this this is the match where Ross and, and Stryker really missed a lot of stuff because they didn't talk about the concussion, and that was key. Because this was built around Abushi's head injuries. Okay? So Nakamura is kicking Abushi's head in when he's tied up in the ropes. And you can see the point where Nakamura kicks him in the head and Abushi just snaps. And he gets yeah. that look on his face and he looked fucking demented. Okay? That was the point where he kind of turned into, you're not going to understand this. Some of the people listening will. There was this Chris Lieben fight a couple of years ago in the UFC where he was clearly out on his feet, but he was like a zombie. He was still conscious, but you could tell that the lights were on, but nobody was home. And he was just absorbing blows from his opponent, but fighting back. I almost get the idea that Ibushi watched that tape before this match. It's almost like he was punch drunk from the kicks to the head, went insane, blocked it out, and then fought back. And then, as he was getting the better of Nakamura, one of my favorite spots in the match, Nakamura shoves the ref into Ibushi to stop his momentum, and then he hits him with a clothesline or something, and then Nakamura has this shit-eating grin on his face. It was the greatest fucking thing ever because he had to take the shortcut, and he reminded everybody... I'm in chaos, motherfucker. You might cheer yeah. me. I might be the most charismatic guy here, and you might cheer me, but I'm still in chaos. And I'm still a heel. I still use the ref to take advantage of this kid. I'm doing my JR impression. He was calling abushi a kid all night. <laughs> he's 32. Yeah. And he's like a year and a half younger than Nakamura. If that's a kid, I God. Well, <laughs> like, I mean. The, the, I'm an infant. <laughs> but look at the perception. Nakamura has been a top guy since like 2004. Yeah.
1: You know what and Obushi looks like a 14 and year old.
2: And Obushi so. kind of just, Obushi didn't really break through till 2007, and he didn't really become a star until like, you know, 2011 or what. You know what I mean? So um, it, it kind of feels like Nakamura's way older, but in reality, they're like a year and a half apart or something. It might be more than that. I don't know. But, um, but anyway, that was one of my favorite spots when Nakamura shoved the ref into him. And you go back and watch that fucking look on his face when he, t- and the camera caught it. Pr- the camera work in New Japan is so underrated. I mean, it really is. They miss some stuff sometimes.